Eleven o'clock comics, episode eighty-nine. Almost in the triple digits. Eighty-nine. That's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. Are we, are we ending it at 100? No. Oh, hell no. no. <laughs> Volume too, 2? It's too much fun. I was thinking about doing that. You know, no. Well, yeah, like a... Like, yeah. yeah. But that's... that's uh, and then... And then the new, new generation. Yeah, new universe. I want to be the star brand. I'm TP7, baby. Okay. All right. That's a... You know, that's a series I would love for them to put out some of those premiere... Yeah, I'll I'll accept what was the accept uh, Kicker and Kicker Zink and Nightmare. I wasn't yeah. a big fan of Justice either, to be honest with you. Oh, Justice is pretty cool. Just, sorry, Jeff yeah, yeah, but you got to give it up to the Star Brand. That was really oh, hell yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was really boy. They they punted that the the new new universe. Yeah, are you, it, are you it, eating? It, what are you doing? Uh, I got a piece of ice in my mouth. Hilarious. <laughs> you drinking bourbon again? Uh, NRC. Oh, there you go. NRC. What's that? Royal Crown Coffee. Cold? We RC talked about that, man. Yeah, I don't retain information. Hey, Seriously. Every, hey, everybody, look at this. It's 11 o'clock comics. The New Happy Year's. New Year! Yeah, the New Year's edition. Merry New Year! I am Vince B. I'm very relaxed. I'm Christopher Neesman, and I'm okay. half in the tank. Nice. All respect. Start, same uh, uh, same I'm, as it I'm ever David was. Price. Yes, you are. You're sick. You're ill. I am. Yeah, the under the weather, David Price. Yeah. And I am, of course, Eddie Murphy. No, you're not Eddie Murphy. You're Charlie Murphy. You are Jason Wood in the house again. And David, today this, for this week's episode, the part of David Price will be played by Barry White. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> that was not coming on tonight? <laughs> no. We're going to have him on again, though. That was some oh, awesome yeah. stuff. Yeah. Got mad compliments on uh, his attack. Lots of people shouting out on uh, that episode on Twitter and stuff and uh, saying how great it was. So, yeah. That's, I guess that's time. the key to having a great episode is having someone else come on and talk. Well, you know, the guy is knowledgeable about that, about which he speaks, and he's a very nice gentleman. He's, he's, right. he's even toned. I like that. Dr. Hugh, right? That See that? I bet you he, he adopts that because that is just gold. <laughs> I should have charged him. I should have had a little credit yeah. card thing here. Ka-chink. So yeah, this episode of 11 O'Clock Comics is sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com, where you can find all your favorite funny books at spectacular discounts, amazing discounts, 35 45 50 75% off certain items in their spotlight sale. They have a nice selection of Ditko books I'm betting you've never seen before. So get your butts over to dcbservice.com. Check them out. They are the best. And I'm going to go downstairs and kill my son. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You know, witness is here. All right. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. This is the New Year's episode. Well, hey, hey, hey. Stop forgetting this. I was, I was segueing. I was okay. segueing. Okay. So, I was going to say, this is the New Year's episode, so let's try and mix it up this week with some new drinks. See? No. Right. Oh, if I don't have anything are, new. I got some old. If you, if you are a new DCB <laughs> oh, service yes. I always forget uh, that. Uh, yeah. There's a the coach. Fowler, there's, Fowler 
calling me out on the forum for rambling on about the the discount code. I wouldn't do it if Vince would wouldn't forget. There's a code that we have implemented for eleven o'clock comics. You don't that, say. Yes, if you are a brand new customer to discountcomicbookservice.com, type this code in E O C eight on your very first order, and you will receive eight percent extra discount on top of their already huge discounts. Huge. Save, yes. save me save me 27 bucks this month, boys. There you see that? See, That's pretty some, awesome. One of us is a new DCBS customer. Oh, look That's at right. you, first timer. That's hey, awesome. Man, He's all bloody. Planetary Obviously. planetary omnibuses for 37 bucks. Oh, I know you can't go wrong. Right? Yeah, I, I had, cannot. I had, both. I had, Ordered them both, baby. Had to do it. Had to do it. So yeah. Yep. So yeah, that's our code. I'll re- repeat it for the hearing impaired. E O C eight. That's the code. Four mm-hmm. simple digits will save you an extra eight percent on your order. Amazing. All right, now let's get to the booze. Yeah. Um, Jason, Christopher, what oh. are you drinking? Well, I know Vince said he wants us to ring in the new year with some new stuff, so I promised to do that. But since Vince has been absolutely like Speedy Gonzalez with releasing the episodes of late, I'm going to assume this will actually be the last episode of ni- of 2009. So I'm going to go with an oldie and a goodie, a little a nostalgic dom, a, romp. A Dom Mimosa? It's, uh, close. Close. <laughs> I'm drinking a mimosa in honor of you boys. It's not a Dom Mimosa, ah. but it is a mimosa. Nice, nice. I See that? I love brackets. I do. I love conceptual brackets. When you got yes. the stuff that started it and ends it, it's awesome. I, love Is it I wish some, some I crystal. Wish some no, crystal. no, no. A little, little, little vuve. <laughs> oh, it's a co- yeah. cold duck. No, <laughs> it's it's just uh, it's just some of the uh, we we had the, uh, the the Christmas brunch that we do every year that I cook and. Uh, and we uh, we had some of uh, it's a decent it's a decent little sparkling wine, but it's 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 admittedly not dumb, but uh, it hits the spot perfect for mimosa. So nice, uh, nice, good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mazzucchelli could stand to learn something from Mr. Wood with the with he the could. brackets. That's right, he could. Yeah, yeah. Uh, symmetry. It's all about symmetry, Vince. <laughs> um, well, I'll, I'll go next. I'm actually um, I've got a I'm sipping on a on a beam and Anchor. an RC, but this one will make uh, Vince very happy. I went over to a buddy of mine, um, his house before we were recording, um, earlier this evening. And, um, and he's like, would you like a beer? I was like, oh yeah, yeah, sure. What, what do you got? And he's like, well, we just came back from out east. Um, I've got this, this yingling black (gasps) tan. Nice. And I was like, oh dude, you have to, this is going to sound weird, but you have to let me take that bottle home with me. Really? I was like, yeah, you know, he's like, okay, well, here, that's fine. I was like, yeah, just, just don't worry about it. And I had another beer. So I am drinking a Yingling black and tan. Oh, my heart is just, I, I, I swear it skipped a beat. I know, I know, oh, I, knew, I, knew, I knew it would make you happy. And I'm sweating a little bit. That stuff is great. It is I very tasty. It, so, yeah. um, it, it actually, uh, it just, it, it tastes like a really nice porter. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know quite what to expect, but yeah, it's just a, a yeah, just a just a nice porter. It's uh, yeah, very very enjoyable beer. So, and did you know that it's the, to the first day of the rest of your life, Chris? Oh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. Um, did you know that that stuff is the same price as the regular uh, Yingling Lager? Really? Yeah, they don't they don't charge you any hmm. kind of surcharge oh. for the. Well, yeah. I, I don't know the difference. Um, the, but the one this, thing you want to avoid if you if you get an option, don't drink Yingling Chesterfield Ale. Why? It's, I think uh, it's pretty good. Ah, oh, it's pizzle. 
Pizz- no, the light is pizzle. <laughs> the light is is nectar, but uh, the, the the chesty chesty field ale is, is pizzle. Okay. I'll, I'll stick I'll stick with the black and tan for right now because it's very good. It's nice. very nice, very nice porter. Um, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Price or, uh, or Gary White. Yeah, I, I, uh, <laughs> you got you got. <laughs> <laughs> threw a little bit of uh, threw a little bit of Jim Beam in a mug and uh, added some uh, honey and tea. Uh, Oh, ooh, that sounds delicious. Oh, man. That's Chris's eating. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Lord. That does sound pretty tasty. Anything to help me sweat? Episode 89. Guys, I've been on vacation since, like, last Wednesday, and Mm -hmm. so my my hours are all messed up. Admittedly, I've been drinking since, like, 2 o'clock. Wow. See, this, this is the where he works it all out of his system, and then he'll go and record that wonderful New Year's Day episode of Round Comics, and he'll be sparkly. <laughs> he'll be perfect. <laughs> i tell you, I, I got a story about how I work stuff out of my system, but I'll tell you that later. <laughs> oh, uh, I don't ben, want Vince, <laughs> Vince what, what, what are you drinking? I am drinking Yingling traditional lager because, oh, nice. yes, I wanted to do this last episode with my absolute favorite Beer. Now, beer is my drink of choice. I'm, yeah, as you know, I'm not all that fond of the, the hard stuff. Uh, I did like that, uh, stuff from last week, though. The, 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 the captain, yes, that was very good, but I don't Happy usually, cap. I don't usually swing Happy that, cap. that direction, and I love beer, but this, this is the beer of beers. I love Yingling Lager, and it's inexpensive, and it's so good. Mm. And that's just my pitch. I can trying to get them wait as a sponsor. for you guys to come to Chicago in April because we're going to go out and drink so many fine, fine beers. Good. Beer uh, beer is wonderful. Hooray for beer. <laughs> and hooray for listeners because yeah. I, I received a, um, even more holiday gifts in the mail. Ooh. You guys get more stuff? Yes, I did. Thank you, uh, Mr. Allen. Yes. Indeed. Yes, indeed. I got, uh, well, I have them listed here, so you just knocked me out of order, but that's okay. Alan, a.k.a. New Mutant, sent me a wonderful drawing. Did you guys get drawings? I I did. What did you get a drawing of? I received a depiction of why Sue Storm Richards keeps Mr. Fantastic around. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Really? Susie's got a a big old rack on her. And it must be cold in the room because turkey's done. But yeah, it was a very nice drawing. Made me smile, giggle. And and you know, that, and you know when it comes from Alan that it comes from the heart. That dude is all about heart. And I had to thank him for sending me that. Well, what did you guys get? Alan, uh, Alan sent me an awesome uh, drawing of Tom Baker, the fourth Doctor, because nice. I think we share, we share a love of Doctor Who. Yeah. Um, Not so the I best would, Doctor, but the fourth Doctor. The fourth Doctor. doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best. Which we should... You, you guys are... Hey. You don't talk about them on Who fans? I love Doctor it? Who. Uh, okay. It's okay. awesome. And John uh. Pertwee is the top of the stack. No, you... Don't you cannot disparage Doctor Who. If you do, man, you're going to have legions of people calling your ass out. I already have legions of people calling me out. I'm well on record as being anti-Whovian. Oh man, why? Man, that's just wrong, dude. It is. I it's know, like a crime. I know, dude. I'm right. gonna I'm going to set you up with no Al- Alan Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons, Doctor Who comics. Okay. Yeah, 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 I don't no, want to get into it. No, did, did, whole, did you hear the me? whole thing? Alan Moore, Dave Gibbons. <laughs> yeah, but Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons could draw like the Smurfs. 
uh, and it wouldn't it would <laughs> probably still be good. Come on. Are you are you are you hearing me, Jace? I hear you, buddy. It's good stuff. All right. Well, anyway, so Alan gave me a picture of Deadpool. All right. My man drawing my man. Drawing my man. Good. Thanks very much, Alan. I uh, had a really nice picture of uh, of Kevin Matchstick and uh, Edsel. A picture. All right. <laughs> picture. It's a nice picture. It I is. I got I got other stuff, and I'm going to go into detail on them if you don't mind. That make us feel bad for not getting other stuff. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this fence. Go ahead, man. Coming from the Great White North, that's Canada. For those who don't know, how's this from America? Mister Filthy McMonkey. I love this man. Very unique individual. If you've ever met him in person, uh, and what he does is very unique too. He customizes magic cards. Huh? Yes, he will take a printed uh, version of a magic card like this one I have right here which is uh, Magus of the Bazaar. It's a creature, human, wizard, blah, blah, blah. If you play Magic, you know what I'm talking about. But in the card art area, he will go in and embellish or add details to it and just make it even better than it was before. And that that's his his thing. And I'll tell you, the, the detail on these things, he must use like a one-bristle brush because it's so such fine detail. It's amazing. But the thing that really dropped my jaw he uh, customized a land card, and it's a, it's a blue a blue mana card. And I can't find any area on this card that hasn't been painted. Hmm. It's really neat, ultra fine Very detail, cool. almost a photographic realism on this thing, and it's crazy. So if you play Magic, or even if you're just a fan of of uh, hand tooled art, give Filthy McMonkey a, a little PM on our on our forum. He also sent me a hand drawn man thing. So you gotta love the guy. It's it's a magic card. It's a magic card size man thing, hand painted, hand drawn, hand colored. It's amazing and it's wonderful. And I'll scan them with his permission, and put them on the forum. I got something else too. This is from Bean on our forum. You know Bean. Yep. This goes way back. I had these growing up as a kid, and I stuck them to everything, so I no longer have them. He he sent me. Remember those Marvel cards? that they used to have. There were stickers, and they would take stock poses of Marvel characters yep. and, and add snappy and witty little dialogue balloons like Medusa would say, darn that cheap hairspray. And you, Chris and, and Jason may be a little too young to have experienced these, but they sold them in a pack, and all they are is Marvel characters on stickers with snappy and witty little sayings. And uh, he sent me a man thing who is uh, exclaiming, I dropped the soap in the shower. <laughs> this, was my, this was my favorite favorite one out of the whole set. You know, Namer, Don't Pollute My Waters, Captain America saying, I'm a Yankee Doodle Dandy. I had the whole set, but I, like I said, I would stick them to everything. So when those, like bedroom door, when the bedroom door was taken off, the stickers went with it. So yeah, thank you, Bean. I love these. What else? Travaz, that our forum member who loves to bind everything if you stand too close He's to him. He's the binding ass master. Yes, yeah, you, you will be bound. He's the uh, Miracle Man for like thousands of dollars. Yeah. yeah. Nice. He's, he sent me bound editions of... Whoa. Well, this it's cool because they aren't hardcover. They're softcover. He, he got them bound at a different bindery. He sent me the Max, Marvel Max reimagining of the Eternals. Sweet. That, that miniseries. Uh, the Planet of the Symbiote storyline that went through the Amazing Spider-Man, what was it, the annuals mm-hmm. for all, all the Spider-Books. And get this, 
He took all of the History of Mego sections from Tomart's Action Figure magazine, just the History of Mego sections, and made a complete book out of each installment. So now I have the comp- I have a History of Mego under one cover from all of the Tomart Action Figure magazine in, uh, episodes. It's great. It's fantastic stuff. Wow. And I just say out of the blue. So thank you to everybody who sent those. And I'm sure That's I'm fantastic. I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else, but I'll get to that. Uh, if I do, call me out, and I'll get to it next episode. How about that? That's great. Yeah. So uh, on that, just real quick, before we just, I guess everyone had good holiday. Um, uh, it I, is I, all right. It's a holiday. Uh, How about that? Woohoo! <laughs> I was in Indiana. In that festive mood, dude. Yeah. Indiana's a dry state on Christmas. Oh, no precipitation? Let it, let it go. I was hammered on Christmas. Were you really? Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was drinking. Do. Home, cooking up a great brunch. Got to start, with the, start drinking early with the mimosas and just carry it on through the whole day. I was frying up potato pancakes. Ooh, nice. No, well, disgusting. I was eating potato pancakes. What? What? Yeah. what do you mean disgusting? Uh, the, the actual eating of the potato pancake is not, but the frying oh. is. I mean, when I was oh. done, I was coated with that shit. Yeah. I was smelling real bad. What are you and my doing wife's frying like, up potato pancakes? I mean, that's a... That's a German dish, dude. And my you're like Italian as the day is long. My mother-in-law is German. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I knew I loved your wife. Nice. And, and my wife is German, Irish, and Italian. Ah, oh, she's pissed off and drunk. Yes. So uh, she was very busy uh, the day of. So I said, well, I'll fry them up for you, not knowing that I had to do like 200 of them. You know? <laughs> so by the time I, <laughs> yeah, big, she has a big family. But uh-huh. by, by the time I was done with them, I did not want to see a potato pancake for a uh-huh. year. <laughs> well, sour I would cream. love some potato pancakes. Damn. Yeah. Well, you we got I, a lot I, of them. Nice. You know what I did this year, Vince? Uh, washed your balls? <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's my new resolution. So no. <laughs> Um, I actually made my own flavored butter this year to go along with it. Really? Nice. Oh, man. I got it. This all gets back to the show. Part of what I used to make the butter, a little bit of the bourbon that Mr. Val Staples sent me for Christmas. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. bourbon butter to go with my nutmeg French toast that I made. Oh, that's that's just nuts. That sounds delicious. It was really good. What's the holiday? Chris will know. What's the holiday where you have the butter lamb? The Catholic. Butter? Yeah, is that Easter where they uh, they usually Christian? It's like bourbon and whiskey, you know. Oh. All bourbon is whiskey, but ah, whiskey we all believe in J. Well, you believe in I, that I, whole concept of JC. I'm, I'm, I'm Christian, but I'm not Catholic. Okay, uh, I, but, there's, wait, there's but a holiday. Yeah, there's okay. a holiday, a religious holiday. I think it's Easter where the, well, at least my family, it has been tradition to get the lamb. Uh, the butter in the shape of a lamb. I don't know why it's got something to do with that. That's got to be an Easter thing. Yeah, that crazy stuff, yeah. I believe. Anyway. Uh, it's I, an Easter meal of many Polish Catholics. There you go. Okay. Uh, I take go. great pleasure, great pleasure, in whenever someone passes the butter lamb, if it oh, is nice. almost entirely intact, I take great pleasure in lopping the head, the head off, off yeah. the you butter lamb. take the lamb. head right off yes. the lamb. Why I is that surprise? The head. And my mother-in-law, <laughs> the, she just, it's like I just stabbed her in the boob with the knife, you know? You know, <laughs> have the uh, peppercorn eyes and the uh, toothpick uh, cross on the back? I think it has uh, chives for eyes. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Jason's like Doom using Wikipedia. Yeah, that's right, he's baby. all right. So Me let's go. Keep it real. <laughs> 
Let's get this party started. We need to talk about comics. We do. We we uh, we talked a lot last week about comics, but none of the things we all said we were going to talk about. Yeah, and I just want to take a little break from the thing that I was going to talk about because I'm going to talk about it for a while. But I know Chris has read this. Did either of you and I'm Jason and David read Last Days of American Crime number one? Not yet. I have not received it yet. It's it's oh. coming in my next DCBS shipment. Chris, tell him it is. It's unbelievably good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's amazing. It's, it's Rick. It's Rick and Rick. Um, I don't know. It's um, to pimp the other show. I did a nice little uh, half hour <laughs> interview with Rick about it, and he. Um, oh, you did. Yeah, we spent we spent most of our time talking about last days. We we talked about Punisher a little bit as well. Um, it, it it's a it, I mean it's very much a, a Rick Remender story. It's um in that it's like high concept. Very uh, high. That's very that's high a, concept. It's yeah. you know, if you've lived if you lived through the the Bush administration, this is gonna resonate with you. Yeah, I don't um, think it only applies to the Bush administration, buddy. <laughs> well, you, as, you know what as I mean. we're going to see. I mean, well, you, you know what I mean. I know it, what you mean. It's, yeah, it's it, it's coming out of coming out of you know post nine eleven world. Oh yeah. What what would people be willing to give up for security? And <laughs> I think that that's at the heart of it, and it's wrapped into this really uh, cool crime noir. Uh, story right but uh, the the high concept that chris is talking about because of the explosion of terrorism particularly uh domestic terrorism what the government's going to do is they're going to broadcast this signal called the american peace initiative it's a it's a, a i don't know if it's a subsonic but it's it's some kind of broadcast wave where it would squelch the desire to commit crimes mm-hmm but they're they're using this um, as a smokescreen because they're going to abolish paper money, which would put a lot of criminals out of work. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they make this huge blow-up story about the government wanting to abolish paper money, but what that really is is a smokescreen for this API thing, which would pretty much domesticate all the people in the country. So you have everyone fleeing in droves, <laughs> and Mexico and Canada has, have closed their borders. Mm-hmm. With with there's a shoot on site uh, rule implemented. It's where if you want to get out of the country, you have to do it through the legal channels, or you're not getting out at all. So you have this it, chaos. It, yeah, it, it really is the last days of American crime because once they broadcast the signal, there will be no crime. And well, what 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 in does, theory? Well, in theory, but you know, but what does that mean? Um, and, and there are one of the things I was really excited to hear is that you know Rick wants to revisit this world that he's building because there's mm-hmm. a lot of stories to be told under that premise. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. and well, and you can tell. I mean, I know the the modus operandi at Radical is to cultivate properties for film. It's already been optioned. It's right. I know that's the deal, yeah. but I'm telling you, the first issue feels like. You know the first thirty, forty-five minutes of a movie. It it, it yep. reads like it's awesome. It's fantastic stuff. And because the the main character Graham Brick, this hulking kind of all-American dude who's kind of down on his luck. He lives in a trailer park with his mother. He's a security guard at a federal bank, and he has a side business in in crime and particularly robbing banks. And once they implement this uh, digital currency, he's shit out of luck. 
yep. as is everyone that he knows. So he wants to pull off this one last heist before they they switch over to digital currency. So he he puts an ad in a uh, a coded ad in a, in a I guess an underworld newspaper and uh, gets someone to take him up on his offer. What they're going to do is they're because he's a federal a guard at a federal bank. They're going to steal one of the machines that codes the digital cards with currency. So they're going to crack it and get and and milk it for all they can before it switches over. And that's just the premise of the book. But oh my God, Greg Tocchini, the who I last saw on Ion, the miniseries Ion for DC, and he he was pushing the Gene Colan influences on that. You would swear that this is a a young Gene Colan. In color, it is fantastic. Wow. There's a lot of Gene Colan influence yeah. in this. It is gorgeous and sexy and violent and disturbing. <laughs> the uh, Shelby Dupree, the hacker who's going to crack the system, is a smoking hot brunette. Yeah, and, there, there's uh, a there's a pretty uh, there's a pretty crazy uh, bathroom sex scene. Oh, yes, I was going to say. Yeah, she <laughs> she uh, and it's it's. Uh, it kind of breaks your heart a little bit at the end because it's not too... I mean, obviously our main character's having fun during, but after she says something that's just like a verbal kick to the balls to the guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's amazing, amazing work. Uh, and I, I've never seen Tocchini look this good. Mm-hmm. It, it's just like the guy has found his voice, uh, his graphic voice, and he's singing. Oh, magnificent artwork! It, I mean, it was it was a pretty a, a pretty hefty price tag on it, but I felt like it was worth every every cent. It was four ninety nine, yeah. but it's a prestige format. Uh, I forget how many pages it is, 64. but it was it was it was a healthy chunk of story, and yeah. I, I I I felt like it was worth every every cent. And it's going to be uh, three issues or three. three. Yeah, three prestige. I don't want to call them issues. It's going to be three chapters, basically, of these prestige format. It's and it's it's really it's really nice work all around. I was I was really really happy with it. Yeah, if if they printed this in a larger size in hardcover, you would swear it was a European graphic album. Well, Stunning. That's, plan plans to do that. That's oh uh, really? Yeah, Rick said that uh, um, they're talking about doing a hardcover uh, next year. Mm, nice. There's a panel where a Mexican ne'er-do-well gets his head blown off. And yeah. look at the eye in that panel. This is, it's, he's channeling Gene Colan. It's astounding. And he's got his own little voice too. It's not just like an aping of, of Colan's work. It's, it's taking the best of Colan and making it his own. It's great. And you know, it's really dude, I think. Yeah. It, it was uh, funny because when I was talking to, uh, to Rick about it for the, um, uh, the interview on it, the the artist he had originally talked with about doing this, Raphael yeah. Albuquerque. Right. There's oh, a okay. there's a text piece in the back where he he says that. Yeah, and he goes into you know his thoughts on the series and and what his plans are and just praising Greg Tuccini to no end and and it's obvious why. Just a stunning, astounding work. Yeah, yeah I'm super Sweet. excited to get my hands on it. You're gonna love it. You're gonna. The dialogue is so. Oh, what's the word? Pithy. Uh, it resonates. It's it's and it's not it's not cliched crime you know noir dialogue. It's just right, it, right. It's yeah. very natural sounding. Well, it's um, uh, kind of along the lines of criminal. It's it's a modern crime noir. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's pretty cool. Sweet. And the, he uses color to his advantage during certain scenes. The entire sequence will be of a certain hue. 
and then after that sequence it changes to another more appropriate like there's a the the bar in which he has his little bathroom soiree there's lots of reds in it and then once they get out of the bar into the real world you know it turns to like there's a greenish palette for some scenes and then it switches to like an earth tones for the outdoors it's amazing amazing work yep yeah yeah, it's, and, and you're right. It's very cinematic, and it depends. You know, the the color palette is definitely scene to scene, mm-hmm. and I mean, you can you can see this uh, on the big screen. It's it's very, very cinematic. Definitely. Who would you cast as uh, Shelby Dupree? The gal. Mm-hmm. Um, Christina Ricci. Mm, a little too skinny these days. Is she? Yeah, she lost yeah. a lot of weight. Oh, How about Carlo Cugino? A little too old. Oh well, she's 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 hot though. She is smoking uh, hot. A little too old. I th- I don't know. I don't Brittany know. Brittany Murphy. <laughs> a little too oh, dead. Yo. <laughs> oh yo, that's yes. not even <laughs> yeah, that's not. Oh, that's rough uh, too soon. Yeah, geez. that shit. That shit staying in because that's oh, the winner. My God. <laughs> oh, chicken uh, dinner. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I I you know, radical okay, has been okay. the 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 hot yet um, kind of plump Christina Ricci. No such yeah, thing. Yeah, I think that would work. She's got a oh, five head. a five head. What does that mean? Yeah, bigger than a forehead. Oh man, she so, was pretty hot in um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, crawling around on all fours. Yeah, have you seen Black uh, Black Snake Moon? Yes. Yes, I like that movie. Yeah, she she's all right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's all right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah I like my women chained up and in the corner, so. Oh, oh boy! <laughs> yeah, don't just don't that, let your wife that, hear you that, say that. That may trump my Brittany Murphy comment. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, like I said, Radical has been hit and miss with me. I've, mm-hmm. I've enjoyed, uh, yeah. you know, the Hercules stuff is pretty cool. Didn't really care for the caliber at all, and you know, here or there. But this, this has got winner written all over it. It's just yeah. all kinds of fantastic. I can't wait to see it on the big screen, but I can't wait for the next issue too because it's yeah. really smoking good. <laughs> It is, yeah. and um, um, Rick is writing the first draft of the screenplay. So hopefully, we'll see a, a pretty true, um, uh, true representation. Yeah. Of Rick, which Reading is this cool. issue, how much does he have to do? It's friggin' dead on uh, yeah. the way it is. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, you never know. Whenever it gets, you know, uh, kind of stepped on in Hollywood, but uh, I'm hoping yeah. it stays pretty, pretty true to the source material. But so. with Barry Levine behind the controls, I mean, how much can it get stepped on? You know, he's a pretty powerful dude. Yep. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. I don't Which know. Which is cool. Yeah. All Absolutely. right. So I just wanted to get that out of the way because I, I pulled it out. Of the, what does it say when you get a box of about 60 comic books and a bunch of graphic novels and this is the one thing that just grabbed me by the throat? Yeah. That's pretty yeah. stiff competition when you got, I'm you know. I'm jealous that you got your DCBS. We did the uh, bi-weekly or weekly people didn't get anything this week, but you monthly people ah. did. Oh. oh, well. <laughs> oh, I got Bean World Volume Three, man. So I'm going to do the whole thing at one in one shot. One oh, do you, is that it? Is that does that wrap it up? Yeah, I think the third one's the last one. Yeah, hmm, yeah. Cool. Comics Journal 300, which is a, just too much to chew. Just my box was loaded with stuff. Loaded. Nice. Yeah. So, I got a so bunch which, of Eagle Moss figurines coming this this box. Oh Ooh, really? What are, what are you getting? Um, to be honest with you, I sent Zach uh, Zach Cruzy, our our boy. Uh, he he works there, and uh, I had mentioned to him. You know that I was looking to get some of these Eagle Moss for my uh, comic room, and <clears throat> I just sent him a list of all the ones that have already come out um, that I would be interested in, and then he he checked to see what they had in stock and also what Diamond had available because you know I guess a lot of the stuff is 
you know, mm-hmm. theoretically on back order, but he said you could place the back order with Diamond and it could be six months and then they tell you they don't have it. So, um, so yeah, there, there were probably like 10 or 11 that, that they, that, that DCBS had in stock. Um, offhand, I don't, I have a list somewhere on Excel, but offhand, I don't remember all of them, but it was like, um, Blink, you know, who's my girl, um, Hercules, uh, Captain Britain, uh, Captain America, uh, Black Panther. So a lot of a lot of the ones I definitely wanted. Um, a couple so I'm still going, looking for. So. Yeah, you, you're going yeah. the Marvel route. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's I'm a Marvel dude, so uh, yeah, I'm just yeah. gonna stick with the Marvel stuff. But, I'm I'm, yeah. ju- I'm just about done with the uh, with the DC. I've I've mm-hmm. almost I've almost got them all except for the big uh, the premium figures. Mm-hmm. Where do you get mm-hmm. where do you get the old ones? Are you just go on eBay or uh, Dark Tower? Oh, okay. So they have them all. Yeah, yeah, they've got a they got a really nice selection of them. Uh, they have almost all of the DC ones and uh, of the Marvel ones. They're missing a few, but um, I'd gotten uh, I'd gotten a couple of the of the older ones. You know, I got Captain America whenever he was available. I missed. You know, I don't have a Spider Man, which I'm gonna have to track that down. But I'm actually gonna do the Spider uh, the Spider Man Rogues is going to be Sweet. once i once i finish up the the dc i'm going to get all of the dc and then i'm just um going to do the spider-man rogues uh, as you, kind of a start you guys you know that they they make a display base for those things right yeah yeah mm-hmm. like a like a tiered stand yeah so yeah that's pretty cool mm-hmm. yep i don't i don't know Chris, if it's still could, available but could you uh check and see if they have a deadpool because i mean ah, be you, you need you a deadpool huh if they have it let, let a brother know okay i'll see Right. Hook a brother up. I'm, I'll, I'll be over there tomorrow. So if they nice. have a Deadpool, I'll I'll take care of my boy. Nice. You know, I actually I was uh, uh, speaking of Deadpool. I, I did oh. treat myself to a little uh, a little treat this weekend. I picked up uh, Ultimate Alliance two for the Wii. Nice. Yeah. Oh, cool. Cool. I, I was, yeah. Was one of my Christmas presents. Yep. I was playing as Deadpool tonight. Deadpool and Hulk. Nice. How is it? Um, it's fun. Yeah. It's. I mean, if you played the first one. It's. Uh, I got through basically the Latveria stage, and I'm I'm moving on to the New York stage of it. And it's. Uh, 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 was it secret? Uh, uh, secret inv- No, what was it? Uh, Civil War. Se- secret. Secret War. Civil War. Secret War. Secret War. The beginning of it is uh, Bendis's Secret War story. Oh, what? Silent War. No, Secret no, War. Secret Not War. Secret Wars. <laughs> secret War. The five secret issue War. painted. <laughs> Miniseries. Oh, now he chimes in. Listen. Yeah, no, no, no. Oh, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, just to move it along. I just, yeah, really. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. Less What's that? That that thing was the whole lead into Civil War, um, and that's how the game starts, which is very yeah. cool. So uh, you go through the whole Latvian castle thing. You never fight Doom. Um, well, I guess that's actually comic accurate. But then you go into New York. But uh, Hulk. Hulk is awesome because Hulk is the strongest there is. No, 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 no. If you you want to beat the game with one hand tied behind your back, play the Fantastic Four. They're unbeatable. Really? Yes. Really together? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when you got that fusion power thing that they got working in this game, where you put two characters and then you could do a special move based on which characters you pick. Oh, Susie is a beast. She's so powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it worked, I, worked him as a team, huh? Yeah. Last game, I played like Spider-Man, Deadpool, um, Wolverine, and Captain America because that shield is hard to beat. 
with the range. Yeah. But um, fantastic, and the Fantastic Four weren't all that great in the last one, which I, was why I was kind of reluctant to pick them this time. But oh man, they are so good in this one. Nice, yeah. nice. Yeah. I'll have to, you know, it's it's fun. But yeah, I, I do. There's just something about being Hulk and running around, and yeah. you know, I, the, my favorite is whenever you can walk up to a guy, pick him up, and use him as a weapon to yep. beat other guys. <laughs> Yeah. is the best. It's an expression of how you feel in real life a lot of times. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, it's a so, great game. So, Vince, it sounds like it's the uh, the Hickman version of FF and not the, the Miller version then? No, 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 no. no, no. Oh, I don't know. I tell you what, dude. dude Johnny's got to pick it up because the last two issues have been turds. Oh, I, I, I haven't read the latest one. I did read the, the one... Um, I guess the one that, that, that got panned last month, which is the first following his first arc, the uh, the one where they go to New World. I did read that actually yesterday. So, But uh, see, so I think you're raising the bar. You have way too high expectations for Mr. Hickman because in comparison with the Miller stuff, this stuff is the best Fantastic Four ever written. Oh, jeez. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, I don't. I think that, well, again, I didn't read this last issue, Chris, is everything, but that first issue where they go back to New World, I, I, I don't agree at all. I think it's basically another issue of the Miller story and, and actually one that is a little more spotty because he's trying to fit a lot of stuff in the 22 pages of stuff that seemingly he, he didn't come up with in the first place. So I, I, oh, I can't agree with that. The no, you'd rather, you'd rather see them go to Scotland and talk about stupid shit that nobody cares about. You know, it's just like, what is that? That the, was a the, total the, wank by Mr. Miller. This, this last I'm Scottish, so, you know, so I'm just going to cram it down your throat. I don't care to read that. This, this last garbage. issue was terrible. The, the story was not very entertaining, and the art, oh, I usually don't rail on art. The art on this was terrible. What are you talking uh, about? The one with the Spider-Man cover? Yeah. Really? See, I didn't even open it yet. I'm not going to oh, take a look through it. The art's terrible. Art's terrible. Now, is there an Alan Davis oh. cover this one again? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The cover was the best part of it. Um, okay. The rest of it, awful. You know, and I, and I think Hickman will, will write the ship on it because I think this he is... has, I think he has a good grasp of what that team is and what they should be. I was talking about this with, uh, with a friend over at Challengers this week. Just put them in space and have them have fun. I mean, you have the whole dynamic that, you know, Sue and Reed can go and take care of business, and then you can have Johnny and Ben chasing after the kids who are off getting in mischief. I, I think they can have a lot of fun with that. Um, what I want to see, and, and see if you guys, I would love to see a Fantastic Four versus the Brood story. This is not Eagle Sham. There's it's no not way. Eagle Sham. It's, no, he didn't do the last one either. No. Yeah, Neil no, Edwards. This, this two-parter yeah. is done by this guy. He they, they're swapping awful. every it's every awful. other it's arc or so. Eagle Shade and, and this guy are uh, swapping stories. Heaven forbid yeah. that. Uh, it's it's not bad, but it's yeah. It's I gotta not, agree. I don't. I it's, I don't. I wouldn't. I don't like to rail on people, but it's you know <laughs> as, as shut up, David. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that art shouldn't be in that comic that's the world it's not the world's greatest <laughs> comics magazine this month so you know I was bummed because I know this happens a lot in comics these days but um, Alan Davis is you know there is no other for me than Alan Davis so uh, he's like 
he's my Hal Jordan, David. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, I understand these days with the covers, you know, um, it's a different game, and they have to kind of do the cover for solicits before they really see a script, or even if they ever see a script. But um, that cover that Alan Davis did uh, for the issue where they go back to New World was was awesome. I mean, it was classic Alan Davis goodness. But I'll oh, be yeah. damned if it had one iota of anything to do with what was in the story. I, w- I wanted to read that story. Yeah, me too. I, it looked like he drew a thing like they were going to to party on a, no like shit. a vacation to like Moe's Isley Cantina, and, uh, <laughs> and, and so that's right now. That would be the the Springfield version of Moss Isley, Moe's <laughs> Isley. It's John, Johnny and Ben in a in a alien singles bar. I was like, this is gonna be fun. <laughs> and she was she was working the the booty on that too. It was a really nice oh. drawing. Oh, Very yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like but, a cross between a Vegas stripper and a chick from the Whoville. You know who she reminded me of? Uh, Rampaging Hulk magazine, that chick, that barit chick. Oh, that kind of, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, a little bit of that going on. Yeah. But, nice. yeah, I don't know. I didn't, I'm not particularly thrilled with the art either, Chris. Yeah, I, I don't, no, no, it's, well, it's still 2009, so I can be, I'm going to try and be more positive in 2010. All right. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's talk yeah. about yeah, some art that you are thrilled yeah. with. Art that I am thrilled with? Um, yeah. Well, wait a minute. I think we should take what he just said and run with it. Resolutions. How yes. about that? Come for resolutions. Okay. Right, because that's a, thre- that's a th- current thread, a popular thread on our forum, and you can find our forum at forum.bullpenbulletinspodcast.com or... Nice newfangled 11 o'clock comics.com there'll be a little forum button at the top of the screen click that bastard and you will be transported to a realm of insanity that's when tom caters is around otherwise we're pretty level-headed and so, uh we should say that chris started that thread if i'm not mistaken so he did of all people yes. i was very surprised so w- what are our uh, what are our comic resolutions for 2010 if we're going to have any i don't know well, Chris, Chris. why don't you first? You started the thread. Uh, let me think what I said. Uh, I know one thing is I, I do want to be more positive. Um, I want to be less angry about the shit. <laughs> less angry about this shit, and and focus on what I'm what I'm happy about. Um, I want to learn more about comic history and Jason's um, Jason's Christmas present to me from last year uh, really kind of kind of seeded my interest in that he uh, gave me the Tencent Plague and I, I'm really really enjoying learning about comic history and I want to do more of that this year and I want to pick out a couple uh, a couple creators and, and focused on them. So I was going to ask our, our resident uh, guru here on the show, Mr. B, if he could suggest um, a couple creators for me to um, spend some time in 2010 exploring. Hmm. Okay. How many do you want? Uh, we'll start with two. Johnny Craig. Okay. From the EC days. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's a, he's a classicist. He's about as traditional as you can get but an amazing artist. And Basil Wolverton. I would like to see you read a lot of Basil Wolverton. Okay. Because then you get the the surreal kind of... You remember Plop magazine from Marvel or from yes. DC back in the day? Plop was one of those things where I was about seven or eight at the time when it came out, and that first cover with Wolverton's grotesque 
drawing on the front, and every every issue had a Wolverton creation with just this bizarrely proportioned creatures with huge nostrils or really long arms or like the teeth all coming out. But that there's more to Wolverton than that. But that was the thing that made me stand up and say, "Oh, my, this is." freaking bizarre i want to know about this guy wolverton did it all i mean he did superheroes he did religious stories you you, you would do well to uh investigate mr wolverton because he was right. a very very unique individual nice. and it's ex- extremely talented guy and then well, you get well, you get a little bit of the underground going on with wolverton too well let's go let's go for a hat trick and and we'll we'll Take three. So, um, so Johnny David. Craig, uh, Basil Wolverton, and who would be your third? I want to hear what David says. Put oh, him on the spot. Man. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 ding. Two days, man. <laughs> uh, Wood, who would you say? I, I, no, I'd say Wally Wood. Nice. One of the best comic artists ever. Freaking ever. Uh, of all I time. Mean, sure. I, I mean, I already know a lot about um, Wood, but I have a feeling that I'd probably just scratch the surface. Yeah. Because he he did a lot more than just what he did at at EC and, and Matt. Oh, yeah. I mean, there, there's yeah. there's a lot more out there. So I mean, do you have the, any the, idea the, wits the, in? The, I mean, the porn alone. <laughs> yeah. Oh awesome. yeah, yeah, it's awesome. That Disney wrong with thing that. that he drew with the double page with the all the Disney characters getting it on. I love that image. <laughs> that, that that is such a slap to the face of uh, conventional thinking it's just I love that all those guys well not all of them but a lot of those guys are, were dirty old men or I guess oh, yeah. the time, but it, I love that but I think it's that's lost in a lot of people but it's they, a lot of them got their freak on it was awesome yeah and then it's amazing <laughs> in the uh, 90s when uh, Gary Groth started the Eros imprint how many of those dudes were just chomping at the bit to do dirty comic books one of my favorite actually it's it's uh yeah, it's right here on my shelf. Birdland, <laughs> love but, Birdland. But that's not that wasn't too much of a stretch for you're, David. You're a fan of Omaha as well, right? Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah, but I'm talking like uh, Don Simpson, who I yeah. knew from Megaton Man, hey, and that's it. And then I open up Wendy Whitebread, undercover <laughs> slut, and it's like, <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> this is awesome, you know. And I just remember oh, I the one scene. From it. Yeah, <laughs> when you know he. They're, they're, they're done doing the do, and he just like pisses in her face, and it's just like, oh, I have to, I forget, I forget, I forget what he says. He has something like, I have to rinse that nasty sperm out of my dick or something like that. He just, huh? this is right. I was like, I, I'm home. I'm home. Uh, yeah, I'm yeah, <laughs> yeah, Bill so, William did. Yeah, so, uh, so how about really? you guys? What What are your What are your uh, 2010 comic book resolutions? Mm. Wood. Let's start with, no. Oh, me. <sighs> yeah. Um. Well, as far as the podcast, again, I'm going to pull the same one I pulled last year. I would like to learn to be more articulate about things. I, I can't stand when I repeat myself and I say things like awesome and, uh, you know, just standard adjectives to describe things. I want to find a new way to talk about art. I, I don't care if it has to be nonlinear or, you know, stream of consciousness. So just throw words together just to kind of describe how this stuff makes me feel but i can't tell you how annoyed i get at myself when i resort to awesome to describe something and i do it all the time uh, you know this comic book is awesome last days of american crime awesome can't stand the word but it's always the fallback with me sometimes why? things are just awesome sometimes they are but there's a reason why they're awesome i want to be able to talk about why these things are awesome and then I, like I hear you. 
Yeah, so I'm just going to drag that from last year. But I'm this close, and if you could see my fingers, they're pretty close together. This close to switching to trades for the Marvel stuff. Mm. Wow. Be- not because of the quality of the books. I- I'm enjoying the hell out of Marvel right now. But I am paying you double. You like spines. I'm paying double for my comic books when you think about it. Because yep. I'm, bu- I'm buying the monthlies, and then I'm yep. taking them and having them bound. So I'm paying X amount for the cover price, and then I'm paying 15 bucks plus shipping to get them bound, and it just seems wrong. It just seems well, like I'm, waste- I'm wasting money. Do, and, do and I the want... Way that, the way that Marvel releases their trades, they're conditioning right. you to do that anyway, because right. they come out with their trades so quickly, so why yeah. not? Yeah, and I, I think I, the one I will not be able to do that with is Amazing Spider-Man. I'm going to have yeah. to get that every week. Yeah. But, uh, you know, X-Men, Uncanny, uh, I'm really toying with the idea of getting Hulk in trades. And I, and I, I just switched over from trades, and now I want to switch back because I like books. The, uh, you know me. I, I, don't, I have no love for the, the floppy. None whatsoever. Oh, David hates that name. I know. That's why I said it. Why else? Yeah, so I'm going to try and find new and better ways to describe this stuff, switch uh-huh. to trades for the Marvel books, and keep buying more indies. I guess that's just what I've always done. Why the fuck is Steve Rogers walking around in books and reborn ain't done yet and he ain't here? What the fuck? What the fuck is that about? It's bad enough with Barry Allen. They did that shit with Barry Allen walking around with it. Why they can't send his shit? What is the problem you can't finish your damn story? What is taking so long that you can't get the shit done? Damn. Hey, Daryl. Uh, well, Incredible Hercules canceled. I see Marvel is making way. They're cleaning house. Now that the dark rain is over and the siege is starting, we're going to get 15,000 miniseries and crossovers. So that means all the other titles getting canceled and getting kicked to the curb. The purge is beginning. All your little fan favorite books, Marvel books, are gone. They will be gone. They will be ending. Miss Marvel, gone. It's all over. Fucking all over. I'll tell you, I got an indie book uh, just to, I'm not going to talk about it because I didn't read it, but run as fast as your tiny little feet will carry you and get Dash Shaw's The Unclothed Man in the 35th Century. I'm not going to tell you why. Just order it. Take my word for it and order it. Okay. Amazing book. And it's killing me because every... Dash Shaw of Bottomless Belly Button fame? Yes. Yes. Every graphic novel I've received for the past two weeks has been challenging my pick for best OGN of the year. Wow. Wow. And it it sucks. I'm so damn confused. I don't know what to pick. I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, That's why I did it. I I know we're doing resolutions, but uh, also on our forums, we've mentioned it a bunch of times, there is the 11 O'Kloskers pin thread. It is our, uh, this will be the second year of our annual obligatory award ceremony. Categories are there. Uh, Anyone that hasn't done so, we're getting close to the time where you need to either go in and finish up your picks or make your picks. Um, We haven't put a hard and fast deadline on, but I think we should probably say that. How about next week? By next by next recording session. I'm ready to do this shit. I'm ready to go. Well, okay, <laughs> well, we, can talk, 
Yeah, I was going to say, but but not everybody got play- all the books that came out in two thousand nine yet. True, true, but at the same point in time, though, I mean, we do have to it's cut it de- off because no one wants to listen to an award show in March. I mean, it's so de- it's December thirtieth. Um, <laughs> but point being, we'll we'll figure out when the actual formal date is, but it's coming up soon. So let's say another week, maybe week and a half, you have to go in and tidy up, and then we're going to lock the thread down so I can finish tallying the results and we can actually make our picks. But um, uh, definitely do that. And Vince, uh, for the love of God, go to the. I know. the yeah. At least check in, like fill in one block and be like, "Oh, I've checked in," so that I can okay. actually feel like you, you value my my time and effort. Oh yeah. Uh, pi- picture picture this, if you will, textured hardcover, beautiful textured hardcover with a wraparound image printed on the hardcover, wrapped in an acetate dust jacket with more like like an animation cell with more images printed on the inside of the acetate dust jacket overlaid on this beautiful cover it is amazing and the wow. interior uh, damn word the, the interior is full color and it it ranges from you get comics storyboards it, it's all comics but just fantastic unbelievably beautiful artwork i, I dashaw is going to kick everybody in the balls in 2010 it, nice. This is what the guy's capable of, and we've seen what he—a uh, uh, hint of that with uh, Body World and Bottomless Belly Button. Good God, just order it. Don't don't even hesitate, Jason. I know. Uh-huh. Just just get it. Unclothed man in the 35th century. Fair enough. Yeah, you'll probably hate uh-huh. it, and you'll be like, "I'm never listening to him again." Oh well. <laughs> but yeah, be the first or last time. But uh, I know, I know. So let's do resolutions, oh, man. I'm sorry for well, it's perfect because you're you're static. And- mm. <laughs> David, you want to go or you want me to go? Go ahead. Okay. Uh, so first one was uh, attend more cons. It's more more time with my buddies. We have some things in the works. Hopefully that'll make that happen on uh, on the regular. So hopefully we'll see each other more often than uh, than than the few times we got to see each other in the last twelve months. Um, uh, much like Vince was saying, I have, and it's shocking me, but I am giving a lot of serious thought into also moving uh, almost exclusively to trades on Marvel. Um, and the reason for that is now that my comic room is is pretty much done, at least in terms of the the bookcases and everything are up. Um, I would say over the last three weeks, I have bought twenty to thirty hardcovers of stuff that I already own the issues of. Um, and I I do think there's a distinction between Marvel and DC in this vein because um, almost everything I've been buying has been Marvel, but not because of any. Uh, distinction in quality, but more as as Chris alluded to the fact that um, Marvel just puts out hardcovers of pretty much everything that they they publish yeah. and they put it out right after the stuff's out. So you really don't have to wait that long to get your fix. Whereas DC, I mean, some of the stuff I was looking for in hardcover that I was willing to, to double dip, they it looks like to me like it's never even come out in print. So I, I guess they they just really are still much more sporadic in what they just decide to trade and how they trade it. Um, and it just seemed to myself like, okay, well, it's stupid to be buying. To use DCBS to save half of the cost on issues, and then to go run out and buy the hardcover. So, um, so I think I'm going to be definitely trending that way. Um, I definitely want to uh, be a lot more interactive with other podcasts that I enjoy because, you know, I think we we have a great community and, and people have been great to us both in terms of, you know, voicemails and the forum and leaving us iTunes reviews. And I, I really uh, I enjoy you know a number of other uh, both comics and, and and other podcasts, and I want to try and be more interactive with them and supportive of them on, on their communities. Um, uh, read uh, on the comic side reading. I want to read 20th Century Boys and Pluto uh, through to completion. Um, uh, David and Vince were kind enough to get me started on the 20th Century Boys, and uh, my uh, my dad actually and his wife got me some Pluto, 
so I got some to get started here, and if they're as good as they're reputed to be, I, I think it'll be an easy thing to do. Uh, and the last thing is um, I want to complete reading uh, Concrete and 100 Bullets, both of which I started in 2009 and enjoyed quite a bit, but um, haven't haven't gotten back around to, and I now have all the volumes of both, so I want to uh, get through those two classic series this year and uh, hopefully talk about them a bit on the show. So those nice. are my resos. Nice. Sweet. Uh, I just want to keep doing what I've been doing. I just, I, I want to take the time and, and just enjoy what I'm reading. I, I never really fly through things, but I just, I, I want to, uh, if it takes time to put the lines on, on, on the paper, I want to be able to take the time and, and take all those lines in. I don't want to read a comic in 10 minutes. I, it's, it's not fair for the money I'm spending on it. It's not fair for the people involved that put the work into making it. I just, I, I want to look at it as, as objectively as I can and, uh, and not just think that I read it in five minutes and that's all it's worth. It, it's, there's more to it than that. So it's, I just want to enjoy this hobby and, and, and keep doing that. I, I really don't have anything that I want to change. I, I'm sure plenty of people will tell me that there's plenty that I need to change, but I just, <laughs> I, I, I love the hobby too much and, and I just want to promote it the way I can. I, I want to talk about the shit that I'm enjoying and maybe keep it positive. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not I'm not optimistic on that one, but we'll see. Nice. You're plenty optimistic. How am I doing? Am I still staticky? Sound oh, you're beautiful. Get this. You, you know we, we have a bunch of uh members of our forum who like to point out that comics cost too much money. Yeah, and and it's usually directed towards you know the big two Marvel and DC that standard thirty two page comics are very much overpriced at three ninety nine. Well, chew on this. I I just received a package in the mail from Picture Box, and and they were offering a new comic by my all time favorite living comic book creator. You guys know who that is, Mister Gary Panter. Now you you want to complain about Marvel and DC's prices? He released an eight-page comic. Eight pages. Count them. It's a mini-comic. It's probably four by five, maybe a little bit, a little bit bigger than that. Printed on green and orange paper. Eight pages for fifteen dollars. Holy shit! Okay, but it's signed. I got Gary Panner personally. Okay, that makes it all better. It does. He touched this, so he 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 signed it on the back and stamped it. He has this penchant for stamping things. And uh, so, to me, this is well worth the price. Because it not only is a, a, a Gary Panther comic, it's a Jimbo comic, a, a new Jimbo comic. This doesn't happen every day. So, to, like, what I wanted to say is the the value of these things is what you want to impart on them. I mean, just because, just because the cover says $3.99, that could be worth triple, quadruple the price to you, depending on who did it. I mean, I know there are certain costs for materials and production and all that, and it's just they're pretty much the same for every mainstream comic, but don't look at it like that, that, oh my god, you know, three ninety nine, fifteen bucks for eight pages, and I'm happy as a clam. Yeah, see, mm-hmm. and, and, and that's, that, that kind of burns me a little bit when, when someone's reviewing a comic, or they're just talking about any comic, doesn't matter, and and instead of just telling me about the story or what they're enjoying about it or, or who the creators are 
or why they're reading it. It always comes down to, well, it was three ninety nine, or wasn't worth this, or I, I I wouldn't pay cover price for this. That doesn't tell me a damn thing about the story. If you well, that. if you increase the price of your product by thirty percent, understand that people are going to hold you to a, a slightly higher standard. You charge me thirty percent more for your product. I better be getting thirty percent more in story and quality. But if, if you, you buy that story in three years from the fifty cent bin, it's the same damn story. So you pay right, much. But see, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, but not to point fingers at you, Chris, because I love you so much. But does right. a, does a loaf of bread taste any different? That it's you know we used to be able to buy loaves of bread for a quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, now you're lucky if you get it for like two bucks. But what I'm what I'm saying is, just because the price is increased, how can you expect more yeah. enjoyment just because you're paying? Well, that? if you go out and it's a it's a good hamburger for five dollars, yeah. Or if you pay twenty five dollars, is yeah. the hamburger less good if it's twenty five dollars? Well, no, yeah, it's still, I'm kind of with it's, Chris it's, though. It's still, it's still the same hamburger, but you know, damn it, it should be five times as good if you're charging five times the price. I'm kind of with Chris in the sense that I, I see both sides of this very much. In the, in, in the, the food analogy is a good one because um, I, and, and if you go to a certain place, you know, like there's local places we go to, there's, you know, little local restaurants where, um, you know, I know that it's not going to cost us very much to go out and eat as a family. I know the food's decent and my expectations are just that. Whereas, you know, I may go to a restaurant in Midtown um with clients and have an expectation that the meal is going to be a whole hell of a lot more. Ultimately, maybe the same type of food. I mean, I may get salmon at both places or steak, but the expectation should be that it's much, much more, and you're paying for experience for the you know the experience and the ambiance, and the food is going to be prepared in a better way. And so your expectations are different because the cost is different, and 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 I hold it to a higher standard. Much like with movies, when I watch Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen. I'm not expecting it to be, um, you know, one of the best movies I've ever seen. I'm expecting it to be a summer silly popcorn flick, and I judge it that way. Um, when I watch *Inglorious Bastards*, because I ever loved Tarantino and I've heard great things about the movie, I'm expecting it to be amazing on a lot of levels. And in, in that case, it, it matched those expectations. But plenty of times I've watched something and had expectations, and it fell short. So I am not one that believes your expectations are balanced in every 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 comic book tv show cd dvd uh restaurant i go to i have a separate set of expectations for that experience and some of it is informed by what i've experienced in the past there and other places some of it is informed by what i've heard about it by other people or why i'm going in the first place and i just think that's perfectly reasonable so i guess the question is with comics is just because you read Uncanny X-Men and it go, and you've read it for 20 years and now your next issue of Uncanny X-Men is a dollar more, is it fair to expect it to be dramatically better? No, I don't think it is. I agree with Vince in that regard because it's still Uncanny X-Men. You're, the price of comics is only going purely because of an inflation. It's purely a price hike. They're not promising more. They're not pretending it's more. They're just saying well, we need well, to charge from, more. From, from one of the publishers. Well, either way, I don't – okay, DC – but I'm – added pages. They added story. And, and to gave, be honest with you, Chris, you but to be honest with you, I'm not alone here. Those those extra pages are almost as worthless to me as Ohatmu pages in the back of, of a Marvel book that would that's, be because – they're, they're original. Because the co-feature – yeah, but it, for a lot of people, and I'm not alone here, the co-feature, it's just an excuse. It has I, new original pages, but I could care less about the co-feature. Okay, can so, we can we set a new resolution for the coming year, too, based on this current discussion? What's that? Let's not compare. 
Marvel to DC. We always do that. Always, always do that. And, so I, it's it's and, and I know, comparison. but David's heart just breaks when you do it. And he's fragile enough as it is. Why? Because, <laughs> so, because, because one of them's given you something more for the buck? No, he I'm doesn't. Sorry, he doesn't. The back of Incredible Hercules? He doesn't want to see us fight. David loves I us. I don't. See? Yeah. Yeah, I you're, know. You're, you're breaking the Jews' heart. Just to finish up the point, though, it's not—it's not really. It really, Vince is right. It's not about Marvel and DC. They're doing the same thing. They're going about a different way. If one works for you over the other, great. But at the end of the day, people are complaining about the price of comics. And and again, it's it's. So I see Vince's point. If you're going to complain about the price of comics, you don't have to buy them. The difference between eating a hamburger or buying food and going to buy a comic is comics are purely discretionary. They're purely for your own enjoyment. If you're not enjoying it for the cost, there are lots of other ways to enjoy yourself. There are... You can get comics in 50-cent bins. You can buy trades at half off. You can buy trades at 75% off. You can go to your library and take out tons of trades. You cannot read comics. You There are a million ways. So this idea... The, I guess what I don't understand is the people that complain about the price of comics. I get that you'd be upset when the price was raised. And Vince, to be fair, a year before we did the show, you were griping about the idea of three ninety nine before it even happened. I was younger you. then. I was younger. No, but I'm saying <laughs> oh, you were you're griping about two ninety nine back in the bullpen bulletin days. <laughs> but my but my point here is that oh, is that at this point, and I tried to say this in the threads this week, three ninety nine is here to stay, folks. There's no point in comics history where comic prices have regressed. They're not going to regress. The people, are, we, the diamond numbers are suggesting pe- enough people are willing to pay three ninety nine. They're going to keep paying. So get over it. If it yeah. really bothers you, then just don't buy the books. And that's perfectly a reasonable. That, that's a perfectly rational decision. If you're like, I can't afford to pay three ninety nine. It's no comic is worth that to me. Then don't buy them but to preface every single conversation you yeah. have with yeah. the book sucks because it costs 399 well then don't read the book because there, there, at this exactly. point see the there's a really cool al- out of the house there's a you really I mean? cool alternative to that though and and if you're a very materialistic person that has to own the art you're experiencing it's not going to be a good alternative for you but if you are reading comics purely f- in in terms of the story and the characters and experiencing these this this huge tapestry of interwoven marvel universe stories go for the digital why not mm-hmm. that, that's that's an awesome well, alternative you know yeah, that you I could mean, well many would argue that's 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 thievery. I mean, you're taking well, no, the, no, the, no. I'm saying no, the, the, no, the, the legal. Oh, you mean legal digital? Oh, yeah, no, 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 no. Oh, that the sorry. Marvel, and it, they're currently offering it at thirty percent off for the the uh, as a special yeah. deal. So, I mean, that's that's a great way to read comics. That's not going to cost you a whole lot of money because I think they're fairly current with their stuff, right? Like maybe no, what? Not at all. No. Oh, they're not. No, they're, no. they're getting. No, 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 Marvel. I've been a subscriber to Marvel Digital for a year and a half. They, they, they do not. It's it's sporadic, and often they'll they'll take one or two key issues out of a, of an arc to which is the really annoying thing. So like if you oh, go to read Cats, they'll read like they'll have like the Red Skull Return arc, and they'll have like the first four of 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 six, mm-hmm. and then the last two they won't they won't put up, and maybe they'll put them up a year and a half later. Oh, get so out of here. Yeah, so what a, what a bunch you got to go and buy the trade, dress. or you got to, or you got to get the issues. It's, it's, it's not. Right. They don't. Well, it, 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 not, again, not to make it a Marvel, D, because DC doesn't really have a. It's like, it's like, it's like yeah. buying the NFL Network, and they give you the first three quarters. Yeah, I mean, listen, I, I like it, and I, like I said, I re-upped for. I mean, I, I just had it. My mind just came up for renewal like a month ago, and I did renew. Um, and it's cool. I mean, for for what it costs, I think it's it is cool in the sense that they're putting more and more back stuff on it, back matter. Mm-hmm. So a couple times, like some 
some older issues that I know I have in my long boxes, but you know my room wasn't ready. I, I could just go in there and read it real quick if we're going to do a show, or it, I couldn't remember a certain thing about an arc. And you know, so it's, it's actually pretty helpful in that regard. And I think over time, I mean, once they're put, once they digitize one, it's not like they're taking it away at any point. So I think again, like much like with iTunes, you know, in the beginning, over time, a year, two, three from now, they'll have so much of their back catalog digitized it would be a really cool reference um but as for a way of catching up on current stuff no and 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 i think they're smart to not they're 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 not they're not racing to put the current stuff up because they do want you still to very much to buy the issues and the and the trades i mean you know that that's a huge business for them but yeah i again i i really don't understand the logic of that where any anyone savvy enough to realize that the newer issues aren't on there isn't going to subscribe to that because they they say, well, you know, we want to sell the paper, but yeah, you want to sell the paper, but you're not getting as many subscriptions as you possibly can because you're withholding content. That that just well, but again, though, it's a, I mean, but for fifty bucks or even for thirty, forty percent off, if you use a code, you're getting thousands of comics, including a lot of classic Marvel yeah, comics. Yeah, which is true. Which is true. Yeah, and, and and that's you know, you it wouldn't take too many you know hours of sitting back and reading some back issues that uh to get your money's worth i mean how often do we talk about stuff on the show from a few years ago to 20 30 years ago and and we'll have guys come on the forums and say oh yeah you guys really brought back that memory or oh i forgot about that or i never read that they could go there and read it and then and then they get their satisfaction and versus you know trying to buy that back issues or or, or a lot of the stuff isn't traded then, then they're out of luck so i think there's value in it that it's just the value proposition is not to replace Going on to the, your, your store on Wednesdays, you know that's not the value proposition that they're pushing right now. Yeah. So and uh, so, I mean, if you don't feel like spending three ninety nine for a mainstream comic, spend it on an indie comic where the money really matters. Mm-hmm. That's where the the guys that live and die by one or two extra sales. I mean, it, well, it, re- it really matters. You know, spend your money on what you are interested in reading, but in two thousand ten. Make it your resolution to maybe widen your cool. um, yeah. your your vision for comics. Don't don't it, that that's a trap. Is feeling like um, you have uh, a responsibility to support comics in the comics industry. Don't don't fall into that. Buy what you want, read what you want, but right. as a resolution, um, make 2010 a year that you maybe expand on what you would normally buy and look outside of that because there's a lot of great stuff out there that isn't Marvel and isn't DC. And right. uh, um, which, Speaking of value, and I want to bring it back to positive stuff, um, 310 pages for twenty four ninety five just came out, uh, I believe, a week ago or two weeks ago, and we had finished up uh, um, Van Wente month, but I'm, I'm going back. The more than complete action philosophers. Oh, totally, absolutely. From <laughs> Evil Twin Comics yeah. is so fun and so entertaining and so edutaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If 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 you are interested in uh, the history of philosophy and you like a good chuckle, you should definitely check out the uh, more than complete action philosophers because uh, uh, Fred Van Lenny and Ryan Dunleavy do some really fantastic work, yeah. and I'm just waiting with bated breath for the collection of comic book comics now. Oh yeah, that's going to be awesome. Amazing, this is good stuff. Really, really good stuff. So, so worth it. Pick up uh, the the complete action philosophers. And it doesn't even feel like you're learning anything when you read that. That's, oh, it's, it's edutaining. Right, right. 
Because I think people get scared off a little bit when they hear edutainment, because it's not. I mean, it is, but but it's it's done so cleverly and so on the sly where they present the information and the majority of it is factual, it's accurate. Mm-hmm. And you're learning at the same time. You're enjoying this wonderful creation of two guys that I think are really ahead of their time, especially uh, Mr. Van Lenty. Mm-hmm. You love Fred Van Lenty. I do. Oh yeah. I like it's it's, it's the glasses. It's the glasses makes them look so good. <laughs> yeah. So we also got some comics to talk about. Oh, David, what are you reading? Well, I was going to talk about something, but somebody didn't uh, just started reading it. So I'm going to have to wait a week because I don't want to spoil anything for Mr. Well, who that? No, you've got to drop the bomb now. What were you going to talk is? about? I was going to talk about The Waiting Place, the definitive edition. Oh. Nice. Bring it. We'll talk no, about it. No. Because I'm interested in that because I heard uh, somebody that we know has worked on it. What's his yes. name? Norton. Uh, yeah. No it other. is. It's. I, I read it in one day. I started it yesterday morning. And wow. I didn't go to bed until, until I finished it last Damn, night. Damn, that's Jeez, You don't read anything in one day. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez, he's, he's been <laughs> so, milking Hush for like eight months now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, this, this was this was fantastic. I mean, it's I can't relate really to anybody in the book. I'm, but then again, you know, I can't exactly relate to a dude who dresses up and has the strength of a proportional spider. So it's not like... Wait, you, wait, you mean you're you're not a white Protestant from Wisconsin? Well, yeah, I don't live in a small town. You know, <laughs> I didn't... Yeah, the fitting in part, like Jeffrey, yeah, I think everybody goes through that. But, you know, I didn't try out for the hockey team. I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't try to, you know, fit in as, as hard as some... You know, I wasn't one of the stoners or anything like that. So, But it's... it's uh, Still seeing the the lives in in these high school students as over the course of a year, and then and then the epilogue um, that Norton illustrated at the at the end of the book is is seven years later, and and uh, you know, I do have some questions. I said I'm not going to um, I'm not going to talk about anybody's story in the book because I want I want Chris to read it. I don't want to taint him in any way, but it's it's you know, so when he reads it, we can go into it later. But uh, definitely, if if you've been thinking about getting it. I do recommend it. I, I think it's it's a hell of a value. It, well, it's go ahead. What is it about? It's about a. It's about these kids in high school in a tourist town um, during the summer. There are thousands of people that that come to Northern Plains, and and once uh, you know, once you hit uh, Labor Day, it's pretty much that that that's it. You know, everybody the. The tens of thousands of people leave, just leaving the thousands that that live there throughout the year. Um, Jeffrey, his family moved from the city to Northern Plains. They own the Sport Shack, which is a, a sporting and, and tackle shop. Um, so he's trying to fit in. He he uh, he has a crush on one girl. There's there's uh, there's another girl who. Uh, spends more time on her back than uh, than, than some of the other students. Um, my kind of like girl. My kind of lady. There, there oh, Jason. Oh, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's some of the, there were, there were a few things that I just, it didn't, it didn't ruin anything for me, but I, I'm, I'm reading it and I'm not quite sure how old everybody is. I, I know, I realize how old Jill is and then you really find out how old she is by the time you get to the epilogue. Um, Jeffrey has to be at least 16 by your time you're at the middle of, of the book because he's driving. Um, the 
Yeah, but but the, everybody starts off as almost as freshmen. So it's it's just it's a little weird trying to figure out people's ages. Scott, he's twenty four. He runs the the video shop that his uh, that his parents run. So there, there's some you know between that and the hockey game and some of the dialogue. There's there's a f- little bit of a feeling of uh, of Kevin Smith in 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 some of the words, but it's it's. Uh, it's it's so well written. Of course, it's written by by Sean McKeever, who I think we're all fans of. Uh, it's um, I don't know if any of this is autobiographical. I don't know if if these are people he knew growing up in high school. If uh, yeah, the art Norton takes over uh, about halfway into the book, I, I, I want to say maybe around chapter seven or eight, but. Um, he he uh yeah chapter seven and there's there's eighteen chapters in and in an epilogue um it's it, I love seeing the evolution of uh of mike's art from from the early chapters and and initially there were mike was working off of uh what's the gentleman's name was it was it Yurkovich? no um yeah layouts by david Yurkovich. he was no kidding yeah that, that's so, by chocolate so he um that guy's he, great. He did the layouts for for uh, for chapters seven through twelve, and and really, when you get to chapter thirteen, you uh, there's it, it's it's almost like Norton was was free. It, it was a little paint by numbers. They, they, they you know it was like six or nine panels on a page, and and uh, it didn't feel tight. I mean, it moved the story along. It's not like anything was was wrong. But once Mike was able to, I guess, do his own thing with it, it. Felt a little freer, a little looser, uh, but but just seeing him improve fr- from issue to issue, and and they have the uh, the original publication dates and at, at the beginning of the book, so you see that there were you know a couple of months here and there where where an issue didn't ship, so you knew he had time to uh, to improve. But I, I I got a real kick out of, out of seeing these characters. It's, see, I don't know how I can. Uh, I said it's I, I didn't go to school in a small town. So I don't know how, how true a lot of what's going on in here is, you know, and it's, it's, it's a town where it seems to be like winter almost for half of the year. I mean, like there are most, there are most, <laughs> well, of the welcome, welcome to Wisconsin. Yeah. I was say, you know, well, I mean, it's, <laughs> Midwest. No, it's, it's, it's a book that I think it's, it's a real book about real feeling people. It's, it's something that I think appeals to, um, you know, people of our age, and it doesn't have to be uh, male or female. You know, Tom has talked about this book as it's one of the few that that his wife has has read and wanted to read more whenever she was done. It's it's something that has, I think, appealed to, to anyone that that went to high school. I guess. Um, yeah, it's. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think that you have to be from the upper Midwest. I don't think that you have to, you know, have any, you know, special geographical set or age set. It's. I think it's something that that goes across, you know, a lot of boundaries. It's something that it's very Sean McKeever. He writes that age very well. Uh, he just kind of has a nice feel for teenagers. Yeah. And I see that with his, his you know, um, Mary Jane loves Spider Man work and you know it sean just has a really nice feel for for capturing that age and uh you see some great art like you said you you get to see mike go from kind of being you know a younger artist and then the last the last story that he did wasn't that long ago so you you really get to see a progression in his art but yeah, yeah it's um it's it's good stuff 
suppose. Yes. I mean, there's there's definitely people that the characters in this book are are people you know. You, you, I mean, you mm-hmm. went to high school with with people just like this, so it's not there isn't anything in this where you'd be like, really, you know, I I really can't believe that. It's it's it it's good. It's it's strong stuff. I I do recommend it. And then when Chris finally reads it, we can go into more detail. Yes, yeah. I'm going to read it. It's actually my my New Year's Eve book. Oh, okay. That, uh, that's I'm planning on on reading it tomorrow. As uh, I had to finish up three story because I figure um, Jason and I are going to um, um, go head to head on that for the eleven o'clockers. Wow, nice. Well, you know, now that I know that uh, David Yurkovich worked on it, I'll buy it. <laughs> awesome. Zane. Oh damn! Norton's like oh, damn. Oh, like fuck like, yourself, Vince. What the man got to do? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the, I was sold with the Norton name anyway, so I'll, um, I'll pick that up too. Yeah. yeah, it's great stuff. You want to hear about Go Go Monster? You're gonna have to shut me up after a while. That's unheard of. Do you want to hear about it? Because this book is so friggin' good that it's challenging. Like I said, Asterios Pop is my pick for. Best OGN of 2009. And it's a little bit of a cheat because this was originally published in 2000. Disqualified. No, 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 no. Over in. No, it was published. Listen, it was published in 2000 in Japan. In the original, in the original, the original edition yep. was published in two thousand. So it's no. foreign and it's ten years old. Next. Yeah, that's oh, but but it that doesn't make it any any less good. It is fantastic, <laughs> man. That, that nice little asterisk next to your pick. Mm-hmm. Published yeah. published this year by Viz Select. Uh, Gogo re, Monster re, re, republished. Yeah, yes. yeah. Collected <laughs> in, in, a, in a beautiful hardcover edition. The the writer artist is Taiyo Matsumoto. And I'll tell you, 455 pages, hardcover for twenty seven ninety nine. It's an astounding book. It, and it's, it's one of those, don't call it manga, just call it comics, because it, I guarantee you that it, it'll be one of the most affecting stories you've read in comics. The, the guy is definitely a master uh, of the medium, and it just, it, it's a story like... Tech and Kincrete, which Wood will know, was a story focusing on two children. Mm-hmm. This is is again focusing on children, but the the cast has uh, expanded to include three main characters. I want to say one is definitely the, the 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 focal point of the story, but there there are two or three other children that that greatly impact his tale, and it, it's a a story of uh, Yuki Tachibana. He's a grade school kid who's ostracized by all of his classmates because he has this wild, just uh, fantastic imagination. And he claims that there exists a realm of beings that he likes to call the others that impact our realm. And and these things are very, um, they like to play jokes and pranks. They're very devious little troublemakers. And they've usually been kept at bay. But more and more recently, there are things going on around his school that he likes to attribute to the result of these troublesome others. Like, uh, you know, uh, windows will be broken or little personal items get stolen. Uh, a, a, a nearby grade school uh, is closed and uh, Yuki attributes that to the fact that these others are getting out of control. And uh, he usually speaks, uh, and I'll put that in quotes, 
with, with the leader of the others, and he calls him Superstar. And, and he has this dialogue with this this being, and uh, he tells him things, and they share information. And uh, if a flower blooms out of season, Yuki will attribute that to the the effects of of uh, Superstar. Like, oh, it's a sign. It's 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 a it's a message from the others. Something's going to happen. And he lives in this fantasy land. And and the, the the children in his grade call him you know weirdo freakazoid because he's always drawing these fantastic creatures, uh, these huge monsters or these flying you know turtleish bird creatures and so the kid is is in this realm of his own making or so we think because the school closed nearby, uh, a child named uh, Makoto is transferred. Naturally, all those kids need some place to go to school, so they, 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 they streamline them into one large school, and he, be, he befriends Yuki. And he's warned by all the other kids in the class, like, that kid is just so strange. Don't even bother with him. But he, he befriends him, and he tells him his story, and the kid is nonplussed. Like, he, he, he wants to believe that this other realm exists, but he's kind of reserved. I mean, wouldn't you be? If I told you there, there was another realm where, you know, these... Entities could hop over into our dimension, but uh, I would throw it, a slushy in your face. It, it probably happened in in the book. The uh, Matsumoto does a, a really sly trick into making the reader believe that these creatures are actually real. Like there'll be a, a sequence where Yuki's in the rain and he has an umbrella, and the water droplets that come off the umbrella have little faces in them. And you, and you could, you could, you could make out faces in the water droplets, and he's talking to the water as, as if it existed. There's another really cool sequence, which again, blurs the line between what's real and what's not in this book, where a girl goes up to the bathroom of the fourth floor of the school, and the fourth floor is completely off limits because the population has dwindled to the point where, you know, they can't fill all the classes, so they just roped off the whole fourth floor of, of the school. Nobody can go up there. And, of course, Yuki says that's where the others like to like to come. Do you hear my son? I'm going to kill yeah, him. Awesome. I'm going to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, guess, wow. I, guess, I guess it's, it's oh, appropriate. Cool. But, so this, the, the group of girls go upstairs into this fourth-floor bathroom, off-limits, and they do their duty, and the majority of the group leaves the bathroom, but one girl's still back there doing her thing, and it's a windy day, and there's a tree... You can see uh, the limbs of a tree in a window, and the way he did it, oh, it 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 it's, it sent chills up my spine. Where the leaves in the wind form a, a, a the image of a face. It's really cool, and you're wondering, like, okay, so is this Yuki? Is he on the money? Is there really this other dimension? But you never quite figure it out until the last chapter. And um, what's really cool is all this adolescent stuff that's going on with these children and and the dialogue is really dead on and and where they'll be talking about video games and just complete bullshit like you know what'd you do yesterday i have to go to cram school and that that's another part of the story and that's the crux basically of the story is japanese children are pushed into maturing earlier than they should because they have all the pressure of the you know they have to go to cram school so they can attain uh 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 a spot in a prestigious school and they have to go on to a prestigious job and they, they, it's always like, you know, progress, you have to succeed, you have to push yourself and uh, because of a lot of that, the, their youth gets eaten away by things they should not be concerning themselves with at that age. 
Do you understand what I'm trying yes. to say? Like they're 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 basically lopping off a portion of their childhood to prepare for a time that they've yet to see. So the the now is being sacrificed for the later, and and that's what in essence this book is about because uh, the school is located near an airport. So at intervals during the day. Airliners will come screaming over the school, and and their day to day routine is being disrupted by this this oppressive technology. The windows rattle, you know, the it it, it their concentration is broken. The, even if they're playing, their, their their games are disturbed by this technology. They're being pushed to achieve uh, success at a young age, and and that's really what. I think the others represent in Yuki because he's he's struggling to come to grips with growing up. I mean, he's at that age. He's like, what's third grade? Uh, eight, seven, eight years old, where he's not quite, you know, a, a baby anymore, and he's not quite a teenager. He's in this really amorphous age where the meaning behind things is often frequently lost on him. He's, he's just trying to find out who he is and he has so many concerns where, um, you, you never see his parents. His parents do not make an appearance in 455 pages. It's the solitary child who directs this whole narrative. And that's, that says something right there. He has no guidance, but he does a little bit. There's a, um, a man, the caretaker of the school, his name is Gans. Uh, he lets Yuki uh, go on his little jobs with him. Like if the guy has to tend the school garden, he shows Yuki how to how to you know uh, cultivate plants. And Yuki latches onto this. He likes to see things grow. He likes to to get his fingers dirty and and fig- and just experience this slow maturation maturization maturation of these plants. Where again, that ties into what you know this, this this book is trying to say. But oddly enough, there's another child whose name is IQ. The kid goes through life with a cardboard box on his head. He wears a cardboard box, and the teachers just because he's like brilliant, he's very smart, <laughs> and the the, the 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 teachers just tolerate it because the kid is 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 a, a whiz. But he only has one eye cut out of the box. You know what they say in the land of the blind, the one-eyed man is king. So this kid has a, and and it's just very important. This part, the box only goes to his shoulders, and and he believes Yuki, and he experienced. He said he has experienced these others too. So at as the story progressive progresses, the kid's box gets bigger. What once just came to his shoulders now goes down past his arms, and and then. Towards the end, he's almost completely covered in the box. And even more importantly, he started to doodle on the box early in the story. And, and as the thing progresses, the box becomes black. And something Yuki says early in the story is adults are kind of brain dead. Their, their minds turn hard and crusty and black. And again, that's, that's what the story's about. It's about growing older. And uh, losing your adolescence and experiencing, you know, that that loss and trying to come to grips with it. And I'll tell you, it's done in a way. It is stunning, stunning how um, Matsumoto draws. There are sequences that are almost entirely black where he'll hint at something in the darkness. And he does this really small, really fine cross hatching. But it's not like a metered, you know, cross hatching, like a technical, precise 
cross-hatching, it's, it's all over the place, but you, you can barely make out things in the shadows. Some of it is just scary as hell, and other times you're, you're left breathless because you, you can see pictures, uh, images of a horse in the shadows, and you're like, am I in this realm, this other realm? And that's, the, the story's ambiguous. You never know until, you know, maybe the last 20, 25 pages, whether this other realm is real or is it something that the kid created to, to, to deal with this onset of, of life. It, it's an amazing book. I mean, I'm telling you, I really can't relate or describe how real these kids are. Yet you have to read it for yourself, especially Yuki. I mean, he's a troubled, troubled lad. He really is. And um, it's uh, the thing that brings him out of this funk means the world to him. And when you're done with the book, you'll realize that it's the very same thing that gets you through the day. Got to read now, it. Now, Vince, one of the big things that that is, as I recall from this when I read about it, was that uh, you're never really, they never really let you know whether it's all the stuff is in his head or really happening, right? Yeah, they do. Oh, well, yeah. according to the reviews they, I've read, the whole point of it is that it's, they, they never really do, that it's left um, up to your imagination. I think it's pretty clear. But Vince disagrees mm, with those reviews. No, <laughs> no, I think I think it's pretty clear. But again, you may have a different interpretation of it. Well, I haven't read it. I'm just saying when I was when you mentioned it and I checked it out, it looked pretty cool. But I just recall yeah. reading that. But yeah, and and, and like Asterios Polyp, the thing is littered with uh, symbolism and metaphor. <sighs> just just littered with it. I mean, it, it, but it, unlike Asterios, uh, Matsumoto does not hit you over the head with it. Uh, IQ, the kid that wears the box, he uh-huh. has uh, a fondness for the. They have a rabbit run at the school, and he uh, is adamant that the rabbits be taken care of properly. One rabbit in particular, it's a white rabbit. He said that that rabbit is very special. You must take care of this rabbit, and he names the rabbit Yuki. Uh huh. Also, the the first name of the main character. So. Sure. You know, make of it what you will. It's, uh, I hesitate. I think it's brilliant. I, I really do. But, you know, that's m- me. And, and I think a lot of things other people think are just plain goofy, uh, brilliant. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> it's amazing what one man can achieve with just black lines and, and white paper. And it just astounds me that, um, it, it's a world of little wispy thin lines these dark inky blacks and 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 the white paper and you completely believe that this exists that these children are real how do you do that with just lines and paper what, what kind of skill does it take that that's what i i'm taken aback about that the man can construct a world out of nothing more than a pen and a paper right think about it it's it, it's what we love about this medium yeah yeah, yeah exactly right and, and I think you more than anyone, Vince. I mean, in the sense that you, I get, I get sucked in. I get completely well, sucked I, in. I mean, I think a lot of because we all like to joke about you having more esoteric taste, but I think that's one of the, your genuine charms. But the thing is about it is, and I haven't read this, but I, I, I this is a widely acclaimed book, so we should let this isn't like something you dug up. And I mean, this is it's fair to say lots of people that have read this have said this is fantastic work. So yeah. I don't want people to, to listen to this thinking like, oh, Vince is saying talking about something obscure. This is actually something that's that's well really well regarded i mean not three of us haven't read it yet but i'm i'm interested and it's not you know but um but the thing about it is is that i think that you you just have an appreciation for the uh for the ability to the uh for the visual to overtake 
um, you know, the, the story. Like, it, it just seems like you're willing to um, really, I don't know if you're working at it or you just see it that way from the start, but you're willing to look at something on the page and see it sort of for what it is or, or even sometimes, right. as, as Sal would say, <laughs> more than what it is. But, but, uh, but, but in a way that a lot of us can't, <laughs> myself included. So that, you know, for me, like, if there's not some some narrative that's 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 carrying me through the art i, I it loses me and, and i'm not saying that's what happened in this because i haven't even seen this but i'm saying like yeah. i think sometimes where you you like you say where people are like wow vince you really like that's i think that's where you kind of go a little far afield and that's great that you could, and that's just because you're into that that so wholly and completely the, the the power of of the line if you will um, yeah you know yeah you're right. And, um, the thing, another good thing about this book is, for you, there, there are a lot of explicit, uh, instances in, uh, in one, uh, sequence. He's, he visualizes his teacher's face turning upside down. Uh huh. And, and, and so, the teacher's in the classroom, he's at his desk, and you see the teacher, and her face is upside down. Uh, cool. And it, it's, it's shocking, because it, it's not like, he he doesn't push it to the forefront of the panel. It's it's basically an afterthought in the panel, and and once you notice it, whoa! It's it almost it's like a jolt, and and the next panel you see the teacher's face up, and she has longish hair, so you can barely make out that her eyes are where her chin should be. Nice. And but th- but then it, it evaporates, and again, it there's this ambiguous. Uh, this this level of uncertainty that Matsumoto perpetuates through the whole book, where you don't really know if these others are real, but there's something that happens at the end. I'm not going to get into it. That makes me think that yeah, oh, it makes it's me think real. one way, right? Uh, mm, I don't, I'm not going to say. I'm not going to sure. say. But um, well, you know, if, if you had balls in your chin, they would be they would be chin nuts. <laughs> <laughs> and and just a testament to Matsumoto's virtuosity. Virtuoso, he's he's a virtuoso. In that, the last hundred and fifty pages of this book, a breakneck pace. It's 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 basically one sequence. They, I'll tell you, they go up to the fourth floor. You knew it was going to happen as soon as I said the fourth floor is off right, limits. Right. They go to the fourth floor, and it takes hundred and fifty pages to cultivate that sequence. But I'll tell you, it's it's like candy. I mean, it's a page flipper. And, uh, you wouldn't think it was a hundred, I and mean, he does in 150 pages. It's amazing what this guy does. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, um, it's stunning. Just stunning. Uh, there's one sequence where a child is swimming, and you, there's a, uh, a coiled snake in the bottom of the pool, a huge, colossal coiled snake, but it's drawn in this murky, inky blackness where he just mm-hmm. lets the faintest amount of the white paper through, and it's, it's breathtaking. It really is. Now, talk and, turkey. And, and, this is uh, not. Uh, I think a, uh, this is a one one volume, right? This is not right. One. It's one story. Four hundred fifty-five right. pages. One story. Uh, the thing that really attracted me to it before I even heard about the story was the book design. It's it's mm-hmm. a slipcased hardcover. There's a, okay. you get a, a, and, uh, a cardboard slipcase that uh, has twenty-seven twenty-seven ninety-nine. I think mm-hmm. it's on the it's on the slipcase. Twenty. Yeah, twenty-seven ninety-nine. But uh, the slipcase features. Um, Yuki and uh, his buddy Makoto on the on the cover, and they're surrounded by all the fantastic creatures that uh, Yuki likes to draw. But the book itself, the the end pages all around the book are inked in red. Weird. Yeah, no, not weird. Cool. And and Whoa, the cool. <laughs> and and, and on, the, like on the on the on uh, the the one side of the the pages, the creatures from the cover continue onto the edges of the paper. So it's really neat when you open the book, 
you get a hint that the pages, like the edges of the pages are red, but you can't really make anything out. And as the pages stack up, the creatures that he draws come into view. See what I mean? And when you close the book, you can see them perfectly. But as you're reading it, you get the faintest hint that something's going on here. But as the pages increase, the, the like a flip book, the, the creatures become more detailed and you can discern like various features on them. It's a brilliant design. And I mean, that's what he's doing in the book. He's drawing these creatures that are out of view and, and only he gets to see them. But, you know, now you can see them as, as you finish the, the book. It's amazing. Huh. Really cool book design. It's a hardcover too. Uh, yeah, I, I I really have to struggle with my choice for for wow. best OGN of the year. This is just phenomenal stuff. Yeah, it's wow. a it's a slam dunk for me, even though I have not read this. But since it was actually printed a decade ago, I, I, I you can't I disqualify me. You can't disqualify me. I'll, you know, if I'll. you pick the if you pick this for your eleven o'clockers, well, to be fair, Vince, I, I think it, it should it, be more it, asterisk asterisk. Well, no, no. We have two categories. We have best OGN and we have best collected edition of reprint material. So I think yeah. Be, yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, a reprint material. Well, maybe. Maybe. But it's I think a that's, decade old! But it was just published here this month. Well, no, month. no. But wait a minute, though. Was it published serialized in Japan first? I do not think so. I, I think uh, they, uh, one article I read said that Matsumoto drew it over the period of two years. And uh-huh. it, I, I don't think it was published. Uh, it wasn't serialized. No, they just published it in one shot. Well, I think you're out. Is yeah, you're out. Throw it in. No, I, I'm not saying you're out. I'm saying I think you're out is to nominate this for best reprint. Hmm, maybe. You got to name something there. Do you have something yeah. else about that too? Best reprint? Yeah. Yikes. I don't, I don't know. I, there's, I, ju- there's I, ju- I just got mine in the mail today. <laughs> Hello, 11 o'clock comics. I'm pretty sure I'm doing a first here. I was just pulled over in a little town called Boonville, Mississippi, where I currently preside. I preside in Mississippi. Uh, and uh, I was just made aware that I got a ticket back in 2002 in Corinth, Mississippi, for expired tag. I failed to show up for court in 2002. So these assholes have arrested me. Is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? You know, I went and got a tag the very next day, and they said that it was dropped. But somebody forgot to to take the warrant off my name. So this stupid police officer here that's supposed to be protecting and serving the public has arrested me and brought me to jail because I had a warrant issued for my arrest back in 2002 for expired tag. Now, I guess we all can just assume that I've driven a car, you know, in the past seven years, and I've had a tag on that car because this is the second time I've been pulled over in my entire life, and this asshole has now brought me to jail, which is no big deal. I had the money to bond out, but they gave me a phone call. So I'm choosing to call you guys to let you know what assholes these guys are. I love comics, and you're my one true escape from this reality of the shithole world that we live in, where honest, hardworking people like myself are pulled over and inconvenienced, and it's going to cost me $175 to bond out here, and 
then I'm going to have to pay $90 because this stupid fucker impounded my car. And overall, I don't know what those two numbers add up to because I'm really, really pissed. But uh, I had the money to bond out, and they give you a phone call, and it's my, you know, it's my right to make my one phone call. And I didn't know anybody to really call to capture my feelings of this matter. And I just wanted you to know that I love you guys so much. I'm using my one phone call here from jail to uh, to contact you guys and just tell you that um, that I'm very upset. Also, today's my birthday. I don't know how it could get any worse than this, but uh, I've had a great birthday up to this point. Uh, got some great gifts. Uh, my girlfriend got me uh, the the Neil Adams. Um, illustrated volumes, the Batman. She got me volume one and volume three of that, uh, which is just, they're just absolutely great. Hopefully when I get out of here and when this stupid fucker finishes my goddamn paperwork, I think he graduated the eighth grade here. Um, I think that's his sister working over there as well. Uh, this is not a joke. I'm really in jail, fellas. Um, I'm going to post some stuff about this on Facebook later. But uh, it's it's I just don't even know what to say. Your last episode was kind of uh, kind of weird. It just didn't feel like it was it was like a bizarre episode. Y'all started out so strange. Finished up good. Uh, I've never wanted to read Archer and Armstrong, and I went and picked up some issues of it yesterday at the flea market. So uh, hopefully I can get a run of that done. Uh, I just want to say I love you guys, and uh, I'll call back next week. I think they're about ready to let me go. Thanks, guys. Bye. Really? Rocketeer. Yep. Uh, I'm not going to say nothing. Yeah. Here. All right, sure. cool. <laughs> I, and, you know... Well, I don't want to talk too much about 11 o'clock, Chris, because people aren't, aren't going to actually want to listen to it. I'm ready to talk about it. Let's go. So, Favorite I know writer. Chris is champing at right. the bit. He wants to have the episode before the year is even over. Let's right. do it. But um, in now, terms of, of, of style, uh, you just have to see Matsumoto's uh, line work. It's the most unselfconscious line I think I've ever seen. Usually, like, just to go back to um, Wood's favorite artist, you can tell Alan Davis is very deliberate in the way he puts a line down. He sculpts the line as as he puts it on the paper, and he's very... Uh, he he knows exactly how that line wants to look. Matsumoto's not like that. It's just he almost lets the line do what it wants to do. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's an amazing process. You have to see it. Just buy it. That's cool. It's great. Go go monster. Yeah, my vote for OGN of the year, maybe. Oh, so it is your vote. You were saying it's. <laughs> I don't year. know. We'll we'll see. I have Reprint. no idea. Reprint. Tune in. Tune in. There's so many things that that yeah. I can I can. Year pick. of the OGN. Oh, definitely. That's no. one thing that we can say. Yeah. yeah. Well, n- normally I would say that Japanese comics are terrible. Um, <laughs> Jeez. It's because uh, you, ha- you haven't read many of them. Yeah. I, I finished up Lone Wolf and Cub Volume 2, and uh, darn it if I'm just not loving every single blood-drenched page of it. Well, but that's, that's because Lone Wolf is almost crime noir. It's, it's almost the same thing. I mean, you love that stuff, so of course yeah, you love Lone Wolf. so good. It's so good, Jeez. and it's yeah. beautiful. Even in the little cute little pocketbook size, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, I think that's a disservice to the art, though. I would love I, to I, see like oversized one wolf and cub. Well, that's, I have the originals. The the, the uh, who published that was it first, David? Dark Horse. Dark. No, no, no. no, no, no. The, the originals. The originals. Uh, yeah. 
Yeah, it was either, it was either first or, or uh, really it wasn't yeah. eclipse. Yeah, it was first, 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 and they published them standard comic book size. Dark Horse oh, shrunk yeah. those babies down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've heard I heard a rumor that Dark Horse might they oh, may be uh, re-releasing the Lone Wolf and Cub um, in a more traditional manga size. Nice, nice. So, now that I just finished off all the digests, so. But no, I just got, <laughs> just the got to do it. the second one. I'm gonna try, I'm gonna try and read one a week or so. And, uh, yeah, they're great. I'm loving them. Sweet. Cool. So, I do love some. Secretly a manga fan. Not secretly. I just, just, uh, it just takes a little bit more for me. <laughs> I tell you what, um, we dropped the nationalism. Had- we had stop it. Um, we had uh, a very light shipping week this week. Oh, we had, uh, yeah, uh, we had Blackest Night, but I picked up another brand new release this week that I hope uh, becomes available to uh, to folks everywhere outside of the Chicago market. And, uh, and and don't worry, I will take care of my eleven o'clock brethren. You'll have a copy waiting for you whenever you come to Chicago in April. <laughs> I picked I picked up the Curse. Nice. And it's awesome. It, oh. you, probably, you probably already read it online, but The Curse is uh, by the aforementioned Mike Norton. It was his 24-hour comic. comic. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. He published that shit? No kidding. Yes. It yeah. published it. Yep. Well, at, and, uh, at the... W- his Norton, the Norton's Day Norton thing was today, right? Yeah, it was Norton, so I went. I went to Norton'ers. There was a brand new comic shop in Chicago today, one day only. Uh-huh. Norton'ers, um, which was uh, he took over Challengers today, and it was the premiere of The Curse, uh, a twenty-four hour comic, and it had some other great Mike Norton stuff there. He was uh, um, offering uh, Blue, Be- Blue Beetle. Uh, figurines, if you could answer a uh, really obscure Blue Beetle trivia. Oh, Jesus. Which n- nobody could. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but, but yes, the, the curse, uh, the curse was there and, uh, color cover and then black and white interiors. And I, and I, and I read it and it stands up as just a really fun indie comic. And then whenever you get to the end of it, you realize this dude actually wrote Drew and lettered this comic in less than twenty four hours. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It's. I, I'd like to see him work ridiculous. like that all the time. Yeah. See, that, I wish he worked hell, like that all the time. Hell with the OG and thousand nines the year in Norton. I, I'm. I'm telling. <laughs> it's. Wow. I. I love how free. Yeah. How free and expressive his line yep. is in this, mm-hmm. and I think you're on to something. Vince, it's 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 a it's a Mike Norton that I think is is purely Mike, and just to look at this and say, wow, he drew this in in less than twenty four hours, not just drew, but but you know wrote, scripted, drew it, lettered it, the whole deal. Um, it is so fun and and just so Mike. I, it's a, the basic. It's it's a ridiculous story, but it's so fun. It's a it's about a guy that gets uh, that gets attacked by a were pirate, and then um, it's his eventual transformation into into a pirate, and the uh, the hijinks that ensue. So it's it's a story about um, um, uh, cheating girlfriends and were pirates and pugs, and it's awesome. You know, and I think. To get back to what Val was talking about last week, where certain colorists wouldn't 
step out of their comfort zone because it was expected of them to do the mainstream stuff in a certain way mm-hmm. for a certain audience where Mike didn't have those restrictions and he just drew this any yep. way he wanted to. I would like to see Mike drop the fear and just go into whatever he's working on for the mainstream guys the way he wants to do it or the way he thinks it should be done or the ins- instinctual way he would do it like this 24-hour comic just go in there and do it put it down on the paper and not worry about i'm working for dc i must do this in this well, manner you know what i mean I, t- I tell you what i've seen i've seen his early work for um shazam billy batson and, and shazam mm-hmm. and it looks absolutely beautiful it is, oh, is, that it is what he's doing he's t- he's, t- he's going to yep. that now Yep, he's taken over. He's taken over Billy Batson and uh, and, and Shazam uh, oh, with uh, art really? and art and Franco are going to be scripting, uh, writing oh. and scripting it, and Mike doing art. And uh, Mike's also uh, got his uh, his creator own book, The Answer. I think you're going to see some stuff uh, some stuff from that here this year as well. Cool, so cool. Yeah, and uh, I mean, yeah, look what look what Scotty did. You know, I, I was just going to say that is that you know you look at Scotty. I think has has really freed up his style, but I think Scotty's become a um, a much better storyteller. Scotty always had that really free line, but I don't know if his storytelling was always top notch. Mm-hmm. I think in the last year he became a very good storyteller on top of being a very free and expressive artist. Well, no, Mike, and, and on the inverse, Mike has always been a very good storyteller. Uh-huh. I think he just needed to loosen up his style. Sure, not that Scotty needs um, needs uh, any, more, any more any more ego, ego boost. <laughs> but uh, I have to say, um, you know, I did double dip on that um, be, mainly because I thought that it would be great to have the hardcover to read to the kids. Uh, and they've never seen Wizard of Oz; they had no idea about the story. Um, I did buy the issues and read it, and I've, you know, I thought it was great. But I did buy the hardcover, and I've been reading the hardcover every night uh, at bedtime. And um, we, you know, we. They have lots of different stories and books they always ask to read, but I have to tell you, I don't know that I've ever had a comic that I was reading them that they were absolutely on the edge of the seat begging really? me to give them at least one more page of this book. I mean, uh, every night they literally beg, both uh, my, my my soon-to-be seven-year-old and my four-year-old both literally beg and say, come on, one more page, please, it's so awesome, and we're, we're just doing it in chunks, you know, like we're, I'm just stopping it, you know, and I just watch the clock and I stop when we get to, a, you know, a good stopping point, but there's, and they just have been absolutely gaga, and they made me promise since, um, since I'm off tomorrow to, to instead of, uh, uh, when they wake up, they usually would like go and watch a show or something. But they they said, "Can we wake you up and we can finish the uh, the Wizard of Oz book?" So so there. And again, it's it, it's all in the you know for them it's it's all the visuals. I mean, yes, the story they like the story, but I mean, it's if the story if the visuals weren't captivating, they wouldn't be you know they wouldn't be gaga over it. So I well, mean, if, if if Scotty hears that, I'll guarantee you that you just put a huge huge smile on his face because that is that is. Everything that he is about right now is getting, oh yeah, and it's well deserved. I mean, it's, it's an all ages, it's a great yeah. all ages book, you know. And uh, I know because obviously we know Scotty, and I know you know him real well, Chris. But I, he, I know when I spoke to him um, about it, he had 
just said that when he made that decision to do this uh, this Oz book, it was you know a risky decision at the time. I mean, the guy was you know really starting to be a high pro- higher profile guy at Marvel um, on the mainstream side. He was obviously getting tons of cover work, which pays quite well. And 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 he just you know something in his gut said this could be it's a risk, but at the same point in time, if it works out, it could be you know a, something that kind of defines my career. And obviously, it's worked out. I mean, uh, the book is is been on the New York Times bestseller list for couple months straight now and i have to say i went into borders for right before christmas to try and pick up a few last minute things and i had one of those coupons and i was pretty it was pretty awesome to see when i walked in they had you know in the you know how borders has like the 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 different you know displays to whatever they're trying to pitch and 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 the the very first display at my borders when you walked in was you know these are recommended christmas presents and it was tons of different you know books and and right smack dab in the center was the oz hardcover that's Uh, awesome and it was the That's only awesome. comic on on the on the shelf. So I mean, it's, I think it's really one of those breakthrough books that that defines him, and and uh, and and it, it's well deserved. The praise is really well deserved. It's just a gorgeous book. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and, and like Scotty, he's, though, he's, mm-hmm. I was just saying, like Scotty, that book is a huge fuck you to <laughs> anyone. I mean, who <laughs> loves that story or or knows uh-huh. that story? Because I mean, he threw off the chains. He's like. I'm going to do this the way I want to do it, and, yeah. and I don't care what you expect this to look like. Because yeah. when, when you when you say Wizard of Oz, there is a lot of preconceived notions of what that stuff should look like. Not only the movie, I mean, but we've seen... Uh, oh, darn a, a, it. A, a, mm, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> No, but you're 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 absolutely right, Vince. I mean, um, and and I think too, though one of the, one of the things that I think actually probably served Scotty and um, uh, and Eric Shannon well in this though is that um, a lot of people have not read the the, the actual the, bomb work, right? And, and seen the original illustrations that were in that book. So I think that that to that end, a lot of people's preconceptions are tied in solely to the to the movie, um, which, you know, which again. Is a classic, but but I think the, it, when you read a comic and it, it, Scotty's style is distinctive. It, I mean, this this book looks like a Scotty Young book if you know his style. So I I think he kind of benefits from that. Like I don't think people that are reading this novel thought it was going to look like the movie. Um, yeah. I actually think it, in a lot of ways he does pay homage to the original illustrations, uh, which I think yeah. is great to the hardcore. E- e- even though you know, I, I think he I think he flexed some different muscles on this than anything I'd ever seen him do before. You know, mm-hmm. but it, it, if we can step outside of comics for for a couple minutes, um, and it's along the same I uh, same line of preconceived notions of what something is, and and doing something new, and kind of breaking the rules, and and all that. Ha- um, d- has anybody gone to see Sherlock Holmes yet? Not yet. No, no, I haven't. It was so much fun. Cool. I, I went went with my wife. She absolutely loved it. Went with uh, with went with another couple, and I think all four of us, you know, different backgrounds, different entertainment taste. Everybody absolutely loved it. And uh, um, some of the criticisms I've been hearing about Sherlock Holmes is is that it's basically that it's not the Basil Rathbone, you know. <laughs> Sherlock Holmes and you know and people that that say that it's not true to the source material and uh, I was talking with Sal about this today I, I um I had to run into work while I was on vacation. We were talking about it. He's, and he actually went back and read some of the original, um, Arthur Conan Doyle stuff. And he's like, you know, the movie actually probably truer to the original source material than those, than those, uh, Basil Rathbone movies. And, um, it it was it was an absolutely um 
uh, 100% entertaining film experience. So it, anybody out there that was on the fence about seeing that movie, go see it. It's it's so much fun, especially if you liked Iron Man. It is the same cocky, charming, engaging Robert Downey Jr. that you saw in, in Iron Man. I absolutely loved every second of it. So check it out if you have a chance. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Right. Am I still staticky? No, nope. you're good. Going back to the preconceived notions about the way it should be done, there shouldn't be a way to do it. No, do 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 what feels right and do right. what tells mm-hmm. do do sure. what tells the the best and most entertaining story that you can. Right, and I remember when Scotty was on New Warriors, that miniseries, Daryl included. There were people <laughs> calling for yeah. his head because this is not my yeah. New Warriors. You know, yeah. damn right it's not, and that's the way it should be. The, the, the artist and the writer should throw a curveball at you and, and just do it the way they think it should be done and just screw the audience. Who cares about the audience? Tell, tell, tell the best and most entertaining story that you can and break rules. Have right. fun. Put stuff on its head. You, you and, don't put boundaries on art. You don't. No. No. Well, no. And yeah, it, I mean, I, I think what you're saying has, has, has some truth to events, but I also think that it's, I wouldn't completely agree with what you said because who cares about the audience is great for Dash Shaw or for Jeff Lemire or Matt Kent or, you know, it, it's not okay for, um, and I, again, I like Scotty's New Order, so I, I, I understand the point you're making, but I don't think, again, I, I frankly think you do need to care about the audience because ultimately the audience decides whether you get to keep doing your books mm-hmm. in that style for the company you're working for. So you know, I, you know, I, you know I, what? again, yeah. I, no, this is, 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 if the audience, if, if enough of the audience didn't like Scotty's book on New Wars or his editors didn't like it, then he wouldn't have gotten more work. The point is, is it was good work. And yes, some people didn't like it because it wasn't conventional and screw them. But again, there are plenty of guys that have done unconventional looks at Marvel and DC or other places that don't get more work because they don't resonate with their editors and with the audience. So I, I do think that Grant does matter. Morrison, Grant Morrison did the only the only run on the X-Men in the last 15 years that I've enjoyed, and it's because he threw up a big fucking middle finger to all the people that have been reading that book and said, you know what, I'm going to do what I want to do with this, and he said, fuck all, and it's the only X-Men that that I am like, oh wow, that that's innovative, that's cool, and I think you have to do that, Jason. And, and I'm not disagreeing well, with Well, hold you on. You're not, yeah, but you can't. You're also talking about a writer versus a, a penciler. It's two totally different. Or no. You're jumping. No. You're, going from, you're going from an airline. You're going to a, from a flight to a, for, for a train track. I mean, it's completely different. Well, oh, I mean, uh, you're, you're talking about what Scotty did with, with Oz and, and how he drew the character. No, I'm speaking broadly about Brent, Vince's point, which relative uh-huh. to what he was saying about Scotty, I agree with. But I'm saying his he made a, he made a blanket statement of – screw the audience and you can't screw the audience in a commercial the commercial work is 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 by definition meant to appeal to an audience if it doesn't appeal to it yeah like but, like like dr voodoo hey we all we're liking it but the but the mass it's not having mass appeal it's canceled after five issues so yeah. there is well how about st- how about stanley yeah, the, stanley you, Kubrick? you know by the way you don't cancel something after five issues you cancel something after a first issue and and they already had five that they were committed to doing so they didn't give that book five issues they announced the cancellation before the fish before the fifth issue came out so i just want to say look at look at stanley kubrick Hmm. probably one of the most well-known quote mainstream directors never pandered to the audience never and and there's not one frame of any of his films that pandered to the audience and yet he was accepted 
his his movies have grossed billions i mean a lot of a lot of those are the on every favorite movie lists you know going but well, again, though, I think that it's, I mean, it's semantics, but it's important. I mean, Stan, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Stanley Kubrick, and I think, but he, he, underst- he made movies that, he didn't make movies just to entertain himself. He made movies that he thought would be entertaining to other people. That's the distinction. Really? Yes. You think absolutely. so? Absolutely, he did. Really? I mean, every interview, sure, I, he never, he never, I, I, I've read tons of interviews with him over his life. I never read, I never once recall anything of him saying that he was trying to do something that he didn't give a fuck about what people thought. Again, there's this idea that it's it, it, there's a notion there's a difference between not caring about an audience and and making sure your vision is seen and 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 having your faith that your vision will be will be enjoyed by some semblance of audience. I think there. I, I, I have trouble thinking that Stanley Kubrick went in to Clockwork Orange and said this is going to appeal to everyone. Then, who said that? An audience. <laughs> Right, and audience. Even even two thousand. And audience can be and audience can be one person. Again, hyperbole, man. Clockwork Orange didn't never has appealed to everyone. In fact, many people hate Clockwork Orange. Well, yeah, I mean, many of my friends. My point is, he made a movie. He was confident that the movie would appeal to an audience, and it did. Well, define an audience. Well, just look at look at two thousand and one. Wait, wait, I'm going on your point here. I'm going towards your point. Define audience. See, he took a risk with 2001 and crafted a film, I think, that he wanted to make. But in doing so, he changed the not only the vocabulary of, of movie making, but he also taught this language to everyone who went to see this friggin' thing. Mm-hmm. So so he, it's like he was impregnating the viewers of 2001 with this new way. It can be done this way. It doesn't have to be... You know, uh, Citizen Kane in that manner, or say, totally. you know, right? But the, the difference is, though, and that's again, this is where Scotty and Kubrick, we can make the announcement. The difference is whether they did it their own way or for an audience. The point is, is an audience found it and resonated with it. Ergo, they have an opportunity to do it again. Right, and I understand. So, I, so, I agree so, with that point. Regardless of whether they were looking to make a snuff film, if the snuff film was liked by a million people, then he gets to make another snuff film. But if the snuff film was hated and vilified well, that, by all but two other people, he wouldn't get to make another one. But that's, that's, well, that's you know, and you know, in different but, levels, but, that's true with anything. I mean, yeah, even but, these but, independent... But I think the thing is, you, you look at, 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 at landmark or groundbreaking work, and why do we call something landmark? Well, it, 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 say what you will about it, but those are more often than not, those are the times when a creator has said, fuck all with what the audience wants. Right. This is what I want this to be. And if it's good, and and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not, but if it's good, then the audience will follow. You don't pander to the audience to make something good. You challenge the audience to say, hey, this is what we're doing, and I believe that it's good, and you will follow. And and I think in comics, you know, to bring it back around to what we're doing, I think there's way too much pandering to what the audience expects, and I don't think that there's well, that I agree with a thousand percent, right? But, and, but, and 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 Vince, to his credit, every week challenges us, and I give him mm-hmm. shit about it, but it's kind of the shtick of the sh- uh, of the show, but but 
you know, Vince challenges us as as comic book readers oh um, to, to to step out and 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 try different things that are done by creators that say fuck all to the audience this is is my vision for what i want to do and mm-hmm. and that's that you know we come back to resolutions that's what i want to do i want to find those creators that are stepping out and trying to do things that are unconventional this year yeah read matsumoto that'll get you going but anyway i i, I might even so, though it's 10 years old but yeah, because if you keep doing, if if you keep creating along the same guidelines as everyone else, like on the mainstream comics is what we always go back to. If you keep doing it the same way, year after year after year, that 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 art form is going to stagnate because there's there's nothing new being done. It's welcome th- to mainstream comics. Man. I welcome know, and that's that's yeah. what I'm saying. But you're right about the uh, finding the audience. If the audience doesn't pick up on it, the creator does not get a chance to do more work, and that is never more true than in the indie uh, scene because these guys, I mean, if, if their art doesn't find an audience, they, they just can't move on to another title or, you know, pick up a different character. Yeah, they don't dead. work anymore. Yeah. You know, which, so uh, that's, that's a problem, which is why that stuff needs to find an audience Whereas the mainstream stuff is always going to be done, yeah, you know, well, it's, all, it's that, always going to be there. That, that, that's character driven and not creator driven. It's not. It's it, it's driven on the name of the character, not the name of the creator. You know, and, you know, we look at film. Um, Jason had mentioned Inglorious Bastards. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, very different film than than Pulp Fiction, and I think that was a perfect case of what Tarantino saying. You know, fuck all to what people um, expect me to make. I'm going to do something that. Um, I'm going to push the envelope on, and if it's good, then people will follow and they'll enjoy it, and um, and, and that worked. And you know, I see Morrison do that in comics, and yeah. um, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But he pushes the envelope, and I right. I respect that. And he sometimes fails. I mean, not creative, yeah. not creatively, yeah, but in finding yeah. the audience, like Death Proof. Which yeah. again was him saying, "Screw it, I'm doing it this way." That didn't find the audience, and that's that's no, a shame that because death, death proof, and planet terror. I think I love the the the, the pairing so, of those so, two. Sometimes movies. it doesn't find the audience for maybe even decades, right? And then people, you know, it's just that weird thing. It just mm-hmm. sometimes it just doesn't find an audience, or it's a delayed reaction. Um, the, yeah, like, like Flash it Gordon. Happened, it happened to comics too. <laughs> and I'm not a creator, but very few. It, it I, I think that we're not, not. We're actually not. This may sound like we've been arguing. I actually don't think we're arguing in the sense that, like, no, you right. get back to Kubrick. Like, I, again, I, I mean, Kubrick is a weird dude, so I'm not going to pretend like I know everything that was going on in his head. But I, I do love his films, and I, I have, you know, I, I'm, I have very, I have, you know read as much as I could any time I had the chance about his work and his motivations. I mean, I think he is like many artists in that. He certainly made movies, especially once he got established. Like most people, once you get established, you can take bigger risks. He made movies that that he wanted to make, and and just had the confidence that there would be an audience there. Um, and and I, but I I also think that very few creators in any art form are so self assured that they are willing to make art 
and honestly don't care at all whether or not it's well received. Uh, they can live with it if it's not, but I think at the end of the day, they especially if you're making a major motion picture or you're making a comic book or something that is for sale and to be consumed, you you can you know a Morrison can deal with the fact that people didn't love Final Crisis. But at the end of the day, you could tell from his post interviews <laughs> it bothered him to yeah. an extent. It, more than I was actually surprised at how much it bothered him. But same thing, like I don't think Kubrick would have been thrilled if if you know if if uh, if The Shining or Full Metal Jacket were you know, vilified, you know, I mean, it would be like, really? Wow, I thought that movie was pretty good. I thought it did a nice job. So, like, I, I just think it's it's rare the artist that's willing to just put something out there and really could give absolutely, honestly, in his heart, two shits about whether people like it. Um, I think but, ultimately they do want to be appreciated. In, in comics, there's pretty much one that I know of. And he, <laughs> and he, and he lives in, what, is Northampton? <laughs> but there's a point in every artist's life whether you do comics or painting or filmmaking or recording where the audience or podcasting where the, (laughs) the audience becomes extremely influential on your work, even to the point where you may not even know it in in your subconscious, you always are burdened by the question of whether or not this is going to find the audience. Sure. So, so the, the, the audience has a huge impact on, on the creation of, of, of new work. And any artist that says no, they're lying. You know, I mean, you you could yeah, say so, I, you could say right, I'm so making them disagreeing at all. We're just, right, we're just, right. We're debating the, the two sides of the, of the same coin, really. I right. Mean, I, you you could one could say that I'm making the comic book that I want to make, but way back in the deep buried in that subconscious, there's a little tiny kid, you know, picking at his fingers, thinking, "Geez, I hope they like this." You know, and oh, it's sure. it's there, and you're never going to get rid of it. And and a lot of creators, you know, they get to a point where they poo-poo the audience. That's mm-hmm. bullshit. Well, yeah, I mean, I was a big uh, uh, Nirvana fan. You know, it was my generation, and and uh, and and when Cobain, you know, killed himself and everything started coming, out, I never that to me was for my at least for my for my my little world that was. I never understood that how you have this guy, and you know, it's the the tortured artist has been around for for centuries, but it, you know, he was the model that I guess I resonated with because I was a fan of their music. But it's like I never understood how a guy that supposedly hated being famous and being in the spotlight, like, then why sign a record deal, you know, like, then why do videos on MTV, you know, like, if, if you really just want to make music with your buddies in a garage, like, you can do that, like, there are tens of thousands of dudes that don't have record deals that just make music on weekends with their buddies, like, you know, at some, at some point in his life, he thought he wanted to appeal to millions of people, and then it's like, maybe after the fact, he was like, well, I don't want to do that, and it's like, I, I, I do struggle with that with the, with commercial artists when they sort of lament their audience, and I'm like, well, really? Because at some point, you must have wanted that audience, you know, like, because otherwise, yeah. why be a commercial artist? Right. You know, I yeah, could paint, that's, that's, I could paint that, a picture right now and never show it to anyone. I mean, I, you know, I don't... There, there's your tortured enter- entertainer right there, and that's why, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm. Whew. We're running that's long. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, good yeah. stuff. Let's go. All right, let's roll. <laughs> hey, <laughs> part two. I could talk about more stuff. I got lots of stuff I read. But anyway, this whole brouhaha you've heard was sponsored by DCB Service Discount Comic Book Service dot com. Uh, amazing discounts for all your funny books and other. Uh, I've just received a bulletin from Mr. Wood. He wants to break in with a pressing little bit of uh, podcasting. I don't know what I'm saying. Go ahead, Wood. All right. Well, listen. Um, 
the episode ran a bit late, but we had talked about uh, dusting off the uh, old episode 52 questions thread for a bit. Yep. And um, I know we're running late, so we don't really have time to do that as planned. But there is one question that it would absolutely be uh, shameful for us not to um, have ever answered. And um, and I think once I read it, you guys will understand why it's important that we uh, squeeze it in tonight. Um, it was uh, posted on April 10th by uh, one of our uh, uh, most attractive female uh, listeners. Um, goes by the name of Poison BBD on the uh, on the oh, forum. <laughs> and the question <laughs> is, uh, this was this was uh, this was posted back then, so we I think we owe it to the fine lady to answer her question. This question is for David first, and then anyone can reply. <laughs> How does it feel knowing that one of your favorite superheroes could never measure up to Batman? I mean, Batman could rip his little red balloon head off. It must be sad for you. <laughs> Two. What is the most memorable moment in any comic you've read? David, keep it simple. I don't want to know the history of memory before you get to the point. <laughs> oh, man. Boy, does she know you. <sighs> uh. <laughs> so, oh, so uh, that, that, the fine lady who, uh, who, who asked that question, I think, deserves to, to know those answers. I'll, I'll tell the lady. Someone go first. <laughs> well, you know, I think the, the very fact that she married... David spe- speaks a lot about her strong sanity strong level. Sanity? You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. A strong woman. I, you can't compare Spider-Man to Batman. There's just no comparison. Batman is the shit. There is no, no Spider-Man there, there, is the shit. There, there is no character in comics cooler than Batman. Oh it's, my it's god! It's the character that every creator wants to work on. Love it me, is, Dad. It is. It is the greatest comic book character ever created. End of story. Done. I I disagree. And we you know, I, I, I said, love me, Daddy. Batman, is Batman and Spider-Man's ass, but... Who? Batman Deadpool? Is yeah. the greatest comic book character ever created. Not not true. I mean, just for, just Superman Donovan. is a better character End than Batman. Oh, and oh, Superman ain't got nothing on Spider-Man. Batman is the shit. Wow. Greatest comic book character ever created. Oh, boy. Well, in all honesty, we've had this debate quite a few times to, to much hilarity. Actually. Yeah. On the, on the forums. And, and David, and it's having Renee participate in the same debate with David is, is nonstop hilarity. Um, so, uh, but so, so let's, let's, let's move on to the second part. There. What's the most memorable moment in any comic you've ever read? Um, which I think is probably a little bit less, less tongue-in-cheek than Renee's first question. Yeah, memorable moment. Eek. What what do like mine? Go Why ahead. don't you go there? Because I don't really have one. Now it's my turn. Mm. Okay, Wolverine in the sewers. <laughs> that that okay. one. It's just it's you know through the rose colored uh, glasses of nostalgia. That one just always stuck with me as one of those great oh shit moments. That was the original oh shit moment for me. And as a kid, I probably drew that panel. 40 or 50 times trying to recreate that that burn panel of, cool. of Wolverine okay. in the sewer in in the sewers and it, it that is that is a it's a scene that has stuck with me my entire uh, my entire comic book life and to see Joss Whedon uh, riff on that in his yeah. astonishing run with with Kitty I knew exactly what he did uh, at that moment and it's like yep it works, and it, so obviously I'm not the only one that that that, that single panel um, stuck with. So yeah, now it's my turn. Hmm. Good one. That yeah. is hmm. <laughs> podcast gold. <Ooh>. Yeah, <laughs> silence. <laughs> I, you know, for me, I I mean, I guess I I don't know if it's the first thing that came to my mind is is um, 
is 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 Watchmen uh, again because just because I, I that's the really t- is at least is how I remember it now and in, in retrospect all this time ago that's the first time that I felt like comics were more than I mean I loved comics already but it's the first time that I realized that comics could be a lot more than what I had known them to be to that point um, and uh, so. You know, I mean, again, I don't know if it's a specific moment, but I just remember reading that, just cracking it open and saying, holy shit, this is not like any comic I've ever read before. Um, like, comics are not just about, you know, villain of the week type of thing. Um, so, hmm. that's mine, I guess. Wow. Well, I can... I, uh, you're going to say, oh, geez, same old, same old. <laughs> the, 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 the one panel that I can remember drawing as a kid over and over and over and over was a panel from Jack Kirby's Commandy. And it's not from issue nine. I, I forget what issue it's from. Commandy's in a life raft, Commandy and Company. And they encounter these flying sharks. And just the image that, that Jack drew of this shark flying through the air was like, I, I, I can't even put into words what, what that image did to me. It was like cooler than cool. This vicious, man-eating terror of the deep can fly. And I was like, holy shit. And I just drew it. I just loved the way the man drew. I loved every little glitch and mark and blemish and smudge of his artwork. And I just, I, from then on, it was just, wow, this is cool. <laughs> I mean, it happened before that with Fantastic Four, but just the, that, that, that picture of a shark flying is, is weird. But the, the, the single comic that had the biggest impact on me, the, the narrative, was the last issue of Shade the Changing Man. Huh. And I'm, and, and I'm not going to spill the beans, but yeah, I was, that one had me in a, in a fog for a couple of days. Yeah. I was messed up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Did you ever read uh, it? That, that's an indictment. Oh. Yeah. Yes, it's Milligan? Yeah. Okay. It's, it's kind of sad. I don't want to think oh. about it. Yeah. Man. <laughs> uh, probably for me, it kind of just shook me a bit. Um, porn star Karen Page selling Matt Murdock's identity. Oh for, wow! Yeah, for, for dr- it's just like wow. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. so so before all these other Daredevil issues, I'm reading. You know, not that it's ever been happy go lucky, but it's like you know, it's never. It's it's always been a fantasy world, and now it's just like when did wow? When did I had to like check the cover and and comics code approve, see if the price went up or anything? I mean, this <laughs> awfully heavy. For something that's been, you know, it was just wow. I perfectly illustrated what a person will do when they need to get right. Absolutely. Yep. It, it was just like, and and I, it. I mean, there have been other images that have, you know, like like, like Chris with the sewers. There there have been images that that stuck me like like Batman on his knees screaming over Robin's oh, quote, sure. dead mm-hmm. body. Oh, I thought I thought you were going to say spilled pearls. <laughs> don't, don't don't cry over spilled pearls, Bruce. It's okay, buddy. You're all right. Well, I mean, you know, or or uh, or any of the, the the beautiful airbrush panels from from the first Mage series. I mean, they're just they're images that 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 stick with me. But like when I when I'm thinking, because I I even tried to think about maybe maybe Bullseye and Electra, or even after you know issue Daredevil 200, where where uh, where we find out. What happened with Bullseye and and uh, but no, I mean after all that and and Miller returns to, to the character where he had such a big mark on it and and it's just, there could have been so many other there could have been more comic booky ways for Kingpin to find out Daredevil's identity and and for it to happen 
like that and, and you see it unread that that was that that was that was heavy. Yeah. Oh. You you could shit on the man's current work, but there is no denying the fact that his Daredevil put a put its hooks in a lot of people. Oh yeah. Miller? Yeah. Oh it's well, hell yeah, yeah. Absolutely. A lot, a lot of people. Defining for a lot of a lot of people in a lot of different comics. So that's mm-hmm. uh yeah. It's All the right. shit. So there we go. Let's rewind a little bit. This episode of 11 O'Clock Comics has been sponsored by Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. Fantastic discounts on all your favorite funny books and other previews, bric-a-brac. They have an online ordering system. Hop on there and select the books you want at huge discounts. And when you do that, if you are a first-time customer, customer, you can get an extra 8% off your already huge discounts by typing in e. OC8. That's EOC8. That's the code. Pass it around. You'll get an extra 8% off your order. Unbelievable. Unheard of. Wamba. Amazing. Yeah, that's the Wamba discount. So, yeah. Uh, and in your travels, pick up Dash Shaw's Unclothed Man in the 35th Century AD. Amazing book. There's that word again, but I think it, <laughs> it, it fits in this instance. And also, pick up The Last Days of American Crime. Wow. Yes. I you have to make a sound when you when you uh talk about that book. Wow. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> I will I will echo that on uh, on last days of American crime. And also, a book that we've talked about a couple times, I believe, uh the first trade is out of The Mighty from oh, DC yeah. Comics, um uh, from uh, Pete Tomasi uh and uh, Keith Champagne and uh Schneeberg is the yes. uh is the 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 first artist uh on the book to be followed uh in the second trade by Chris Somney but uh the the mighty is a book that's been getting some um uh, I think some some recommendations on podcast it's one that is that is criminally underread and uh, uh, it's just take my word for it. It's going to be one of those books that um, five, ten years from now, people are going to look back and say, "Wow, that was such a great series." And the first trade is out, so go and and, and pick up the Mighty. Uh, it's just it, it's a it's a fantastic series. I've got an oldie an oldie but a goodie, a, a classic uh, favorite. Um, and, and all I got to say is, if you if you can't enjoy a comic that has a giant tree drinking out of a giant martini glass with his fingers, <laughs> and then next to him, a, a little raccoon sitting on a fucking booster seat, drinking liquor with his buddies, uh, and then you don't love goodness. Uh, you got to read Guardians of the Galaxy, folks. It's uh, it's it's one of the best comics out there, if not uh, the best. It's it's awesome. Fun, fun, fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I didn't get to talk about tonight, so I'll save it for for uh, for next week. Uh, Rakito. Rakito. Ooh. Yeah. I, uh, I read the first trade, volume one of, uh, Journey to the Hidden Sea this week. Awesome. And, uh, it, it really is. So do yourself a favor, find the 12 issues, find the two trades, do whatever you can, but it's, it's beautifully illustrated. It's, it's a fun story. Uh, check it out. I want to add another one. Give yourself some time with Rocchetto. It's a uh, just my personal experience. It takes a couple issues 
to get in and really, yeah. really appreciate not just the story, but the art. Once you immerse, it, it's, it's odd to describe, but once you immerse yourself in the art, it becomes alive to you. And nice. get, get, give yourself a couple issues. It's beautiful work. I want to add one. Of course you do. Here's a no-brainer. And, and it should be a no-brainer because it's... it's was it made in this decade? Yes. It, it was, oh, it was, snap. What, <laughs> yeah, Look at that snap. giving you shit. That, nice. that's, that's okay. It's uh, the next release in Image's next issue project. It's Silver Street oh, yeah, Comics cool. number 24. Get this. Uh-huh. Daredevil, written, drawn, and colored by Eric Larson. Mm-hmm. Silver Streak, written and drawn by Paul Grist. Come on. Nice. Kelly, Kelly the Cop, written and drawn by Joe Keating. The Claw, David, do you have my attention? No, do I have your attention? Yes, you do. The Claw was written, <laughs> drawn, and colored by Michael T. Gilbert. No way. Yes way. And oh, Captain Battle, written by Steve Horton, drawn by Alan Weiss. Come on. No way. Yes, oversized, full color, faux golden age comic book, complete with ads and, uh, you know, uh, pseudo advertise. Some of them are pseudo, some of them are real, like the, uh, the Charlotte, Charles Atlas ad and everything. Oh, I love these next issue books. They're so good. Michael T. Gilbert, David. Oh, man. Get it. <laughs> I have to now. Damn. Yes. It's on. It's on to the early morning, like Donkey Kong. That's right. And, it's the new year. Be good to yourselves and everybody around you, please. Happy, happy new year, everybody. That's right. Have a good, safe, and happy new year, and we'll be back um, next week. Yeah. Oh, our our um, um, Chicago 11 o'clockers uh, drop by Challengers on Friday at 5 o'clock. And um, as we start the countdown to Worcester. For Mr. Tom Caters, we're gonna we're going oh. to uh, send him off in style. So so drop by Challengers at five o'clock if you're in the area. All right. Yep. And here here's a little thing. If you're going to Challengers, get um, a, a manga and strap it to a pole. And when you go in and Chris see Chris, you beat him with it. Just beat him. <laughs> hit, hit him. Hit him with the manga. <laughs> there you go. So you don't have to get close because it's on a pole. You can run away. Not that he'd be able to do anything to you anyway. But just hit him. Hit him. <laughs> And uh, words never spoken. Good luck to our buddy Tom too. Oh yeah, it's absolutely. fucking sad. I'm gonna sad. miss a little. Swap. I know, I know, it's happy, but it's sad. It's not gonna it be is the sad. same. Yeah, yeah. It's well, we're gonna talk about it. We got, we got, we got, we got some plans we're working on. Yeah. Insert the picture of the crying baby saying, "Wow, why do things have to change?" Right here, because I hate <laughs> you. <laughs> change in the real world, not good. Change in comics, very good. See you next week. <laughs> bye. Say bye, David. Bye. <laughs> Andy, it's me. Haven't seen you in a while. I wish I talked to you more when you were alive. I thought you were self-assured when you acted shy. Hello, it's me. I really miss you. I really miss your mind I haven't heard ideas like that For such a long, long time I love to watch you draw and watch you paint But when I saw you last I turned away When Billy Name was sick I locked up in his room You asked me for some speed I thought it was for you
I'm sorry if I doubted your good heart. Things always seem to end before they start. Hello, it's me. There was a great gallery show. Your cow wallpaper and your floating silver pillows. I wish I paid more attention when they laughed at you. Hello, it's me. Pop goes pop artist. The headline said, "The shooting or put on is Warhol really dead?" You get less time for stealing a car. I remember thinking as I heard my own record in a bar. They really hated you. Now all that's changed. But I have some resentments that can never be unmade. You hit me where it hurt. I didn't laugh. Your diaries are not a worthy epitaph. Well now, Andy, I guess we've gotta go. I wish some way, somehow, you liked this little show. I know this is late in coming. But it's the only way I know. Hello, it's me. Good night, Andy. Goodbye, Andy.